so Robin says that Susie must be really important if you did all this for her. And he's like, yeah, she's straight up perfect. And Erica's like, she sounds straight up not real. <laughs> and I was like, it turns out she's straight up annoying. Yeah. Okay. Listen, I know she's a child and we're not supposed to say these things, but... Well... <laughs> Hello and welcome to our Stranger Things podcast brought to you by the Aficionados Podcast Network. My name is Robin Jeffrey. I'm a 26-year-old actor and artist. I like brooding anti-heroes, feminist agendas, and I remember way too many details that no one else cares about. You can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey pretty much everywhere. And our fun fact for this episode is, like, what are the best fireworks that you've ever seen? So my first thought, of course, is always like, okay, what are the best fireworks? Disney World. But Brittany reminded me that um, I think 2019 we had just moved into this apartment and our apartment is on English Bay in Vancouver and they have like this like, do you want to give them our address? <laughs> just kidding, sorry. Uh, who has given out more of our address? <laughs> All right, fair enough. You got me there. <laughs> Brittany gives out landmarks around our home. <laughs> it's, I literally send out packages with our address. Yeah. <laughs> So we had just moved in, and um, they have this, like, it's sort of like a fireworks competition? Yeah, it's like a it's like a multi-country fireworks competition that happens in English Bay of Vancouver every single year. Mm-hmm. So we moved in in 2019, and then COVID happened, so we haven't seen it since. Yeah. <laughs> but when we moved in, we got to see the, the first one that we got to see living here. Everyone else had to, like, go and file their way down to the beach and try and get a good spot, and we brought chairs out to just... Literally our balcony. Our balcony. And watch the fireworks from like, just like a block away from them. It was amazing. It was like, it's right on the water. So like our view was literally of the barge shooting the fireworks off. Mm -hmm. Like if we were any closer, I would have been like genuinely afraid. (laughs) (laughs) And it was like several days long, wasn't it? Yeah, it it lasts for um, a couple, I think it lasts for, God, I can't even remember now because it's been two years. It was like a week, I think. But it's about two weeks long, actually, because we missed the first round when mm. we when we moved. We moved in, I think, for the last one. Yeah. But there's something like four. That's awesome. Yeah, it's really fun. I hope they bring it back next year because it would be really fun to watch. Yeah. I am um, living in Vancouver. People just set off fireworks whenever they want. Yep. <laughs> yeah, it's actually deeply <laughs> annoying. But it's never where I want them to be, where I, I can, can never see them. See them. <laughs> the amount of times I just run out on my balcony, I'm like, okay, where is it? Can I look at it? Is it pretty? And I just can't see anything because it's behind a building. It's so weird that people do it, though. I'm like, why are you doing this? It is a Tuesday. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And my name is Brittany Ray. I'm a 32-year-old artist and writer. I like badass bombs and long naps. I'm on Twitter at Britannia, where I can be found attempting to be interesting and talking about my cat. And the best fireworks I ever saw, I'm sorry to say that they were not there for this. I was with my sister at Disneyland in, I think, 2017. And we saw, I think it's Illuminations, but I'm not sure... No, World of Color. I don't know what it was. Mm. It was at California Adventure, and it was half fireworks, half, like, a literal visual show in a fountain. You know, like, they would do, like, the water and, like, create screens with the falling water. Oh, yeah. And it was just, like... We had been going all day. Our feet were killing us, but we were standing there. We were like, this is the best thing we've ever seen, and we cannot leave until we finish. It was just, Disney fireworks are amazing. And apparently, they're zero emissions. Yeah. I didn't, I had no idea, but apparently, they're not bad for the environment. So. Which is good, because they I mean, do like, them every single night. I, I was know. About to say, the amount of fireworks Disney puts out a night, they, they need better be. to make it environmentally friendly. Uh, in order to justify it. Yeah. Exactly. And my name is Samantha Coley. I'm a 29-year-old television critic. I like over 40s OTPs and making playlists. I'm on Twitter at Sam Casey's, where you can find me yelling about television and fangirling middle-aged actresses. Um, I would also say probably, like, the best ones that I've seen are definitely at Disney World. Yeah. But, like, the ones that I can remember the most, 
actually, mm, I had a dancer and then I'm like, oh, I might change it. I saw fireworks a lot when I was a kid because I grew up in America. <laughs> That'll do it. And, you know, every 4th of July, every New Year's, we would do it. I remember one of them, the one that I thought of earlier was my dad had like lots of rich real estate friends with like lake houses. So mm-hmm. one year we went to one of their houses on the lake for 4th of July and they did like a really great one. Like a whole show. Like a whole like show there that was pretty cool and like i think that i remember that one being cooler than usual because it was uh summer so it was hot and it was like on a lake which is like makes everything better but like i just remembered that every new year's we would go to my like mom's aunt and uncle's house which was like down the road from our house but next to like this big open field and they would set off fireworks at midnight every new year's and uh, we would, like, it's down a dead-end road, so we would just lay in the street to watch them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that was fun. Yeah, as you were saying that, I was like, I just remembered my favorite fireworks, and they were fireworks that I hated that we did on New Year's in Hawaii. Mm. We would always blow up a gingerbread house. Oh my, my god. I loved doing it. The reason we built gingerbread houses was so, because fireworks are legal in Hawaii, mm-hmm. so we would buy a bunch of fireworks and stuff the gingerbread house full of fireworks and then blow that crap up. That's insane. Today we have words to say about episode 308 of Stranger Things, The Battle of Starcourt. So a battle happens at Starcourt Mall. That's about it. But it's a really badass title. (laughs) And I remember when we saw it, like when they revealed the titles, the names of the episodes, and I was like, blah, it was just very exciting. Mm -hmm. It's a very good uh, title. A great title for a finale, unlike the finale of the most recent end uh, of Riverdale, which was the worst episode title I've ever heard. This episode also won an Emmy Award for Outstanding Sound Editing. That makes sense. So that's great. We did have a couple of thoughts from listeners before we jump into this final episode of the Stranger Things podcast for the foreseeable future until uh, till season four comes out. Unless there's a bigger trailer. I mean, there's definitely going to be. There's got to be, right? So we did have a couple of thoughts from listeners, and these were about the same thing. Okay. Um, so Is it us being case, stupid? Maybe. Okay. Uh, it's just something that genuinely didn't occur to me for some reason. So, AJ on the Discord said, I think it would make sense that Steve said he loved Nancy only in their senior year because season one, I got the vibe that Steve and Nancy only dated because they were attractive and popular. Then there's the big turnaround of Steve realizing his friends suck and he starts to be the good guy, he starts the good guy Steve era. So it kind of fits (laughs) that this, that that's when he really falls in love with Nancy, which also makes season two hurt more with the breakup. Mm-hmm. And then Harry commented on our SoundCloud and said, when Steve says he was in love with Nancy during first semester senior year, that's not a mistake. During their scene in the car in the beginning of season two, Steve is working on a college admissions essay, and he suggests that he might skip college and just go to work for his dad. Then he explicitly says that he would let that, that would let him stick around for Nancy's senior year so she wouldn't forget about this pretty face. So Steve is a year ahead of Nancy, which means that she's a sophomore in season one when she sleeps with Steve, and a junior in season two when Murray suggests that she and Jonathan just take the damn bed. For some reason, it did not ever occur to me that the teens were all in different years. Yeah. I just thought, all the kids are in the same year. All the teens must be in the same year. Right. So that that blew my mind that I was like, wait, Steve's a year older than them. Wait, so how old was Nancy when Murray was being gross to them? She was a junior. But we don't oh know. Oh my god. But another thing that we were talking about in the Discord, we were like, oh my gosh, Steve is a year older than them. How did I never put that together? No one knows what year Jonathan's in. 
But her being a junior, she's, what, 15? No, junior, Mm -hmm. she would be 17. 17. Yeah. So it's... Freshman, sophomore, junior. Got it? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Although I do remember at the beginning of season two, that scene where she and Jonathan both walk out of a classroom and then Steve shows up and like kisses her and is wearing those sunglasses and he kisses her up against the locker. Do you remember that scene? Yes. Mm Mm-hmm. So since Nancy and Jonathan come out the same classroom, I assume that Jonathan's in the same year as Nancy. For some reason, I, I would assume that as well. Yeah, yeah. If, if, yeah. Especially if they come out of the same classroom. You don't take mm-hmm. mixed age group classes in yeah. high school. Because I thought since Steve has this summer job and is talking about how like he's going to college next year or like he would go to college next year. And Nancy and Jonathan also sort of had like a summer job. Like it just didn't occur to me that they were like, they were also not heading off to college next. Yeah. But then I realized that they like wanted to put it on their college admission. And so like for some reason I was like, well, you're a little late. I didn't... <laughs> that that was for next year but thank you to uh everyone who helped us with that one we we finally figured it out we put it together we're brain dead but we make it work at least we're pretty yeah exactly they can't see us (laughs) and i was gonna say we have nice voices but they all sound but they all seem yeah apparently they sound the same and we're all vaguely annoying yeah so this episode is the finale, obviously, which what? means that we need to, uh, uh, we're going to cover it chronologically. Um, I did the first third, so I will be doing a summary of the first third. This episode is so long. Um, it's she crazy long. Dense. It's crazy long um, because it's like every episode of a normal cable television it, television show is about 42 minutes long. And this episode is an hour 17, so that is almost double the amount of an episode that we usually cover. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's crazy. It's, an hour 17 is close to feature length. Yeah. So we're clear. It could be, yeah. Like a, especially a, um, like a children's, because I remember, like, Emperor's New Groove is one of my favorite movies, and every time I go back to rewatch it, potentially, I'm like, this is, this is this so is short! So, what, it's like 80 minutes long? Is that a joke? I know! Like, yeah. So... Um, I did the summary of part one. Joyce, Hopper, and Murray drive toward the mall because they know that that's where the kids are. Eleven is still struggling because she has that mind flare piece in her leg. Jonathan goes to get some supplies and tries to cut the thing out of her leg. He successfully cuts into it, but Eleven uses her powers to get it out. Hopper steps on it, revealing that they are here now. They all discuss their various storylines and figure out a plan. Dustin and Erica are very knowledgeable on where the trio of Jopper, Murray, and... Uh, yes, Jopper. The trio of Jopper and Murray are going, so they try to give information, but the adults are not super keen on taking it. Hop wants them to talk to them over the radio so the kids don't have to go down, but they need a radio that's stronger than that. Steve, Robin, Dustin, and Erica get in Todd's car and drive to the hill that Dustin's powerful radio is on. Nancy and Jonathan are meant to take the kids back to Murray's place to be safe. Joyce promises that she'll be back soon and Will is worried about her. Eleven also has a heart-to-heart with Hopper. He tells Mike to be careful. Hop is pissed that Joyce is coming on the mission, but Murray explains they need three people. The kids go out to the car, but it won't start. They see that it's been tampered with and that Billy is out there rubbing his engine menacingly. They head back into the mall. Murray explains their plan in the elevator and Jopper argues some more. Immediately there are soldiers waiting for them. Murray tries to trick them by speaking Russian, but Hopper jumps out and shoots them all at the first sign of trouble. Scoop's troop drives to the hill and Steve accidentally reveals that he doesn't totally believe Susie exists. The car can't get them all the way up, so they have to walk up the rest of the hill. Mike calls for them, but they haven't answered yet. Nancy preps a gun and Max is worried that Billy is going to end up dead at the end of this. Oops. Uh, bad news. They realize that they can get the cable they need from the show car that Eleven flipped. Under the mall, the trio have stolen some soldiers' outfits and a little car. Murray jokes with one of the guards, and he lets them through. Dustin calls him on the radio, which works, and Murray says that he'll call them if he needs them. 
Eleven couldn't get the car flipped back over, so she tries to test her powers out on an empty Coke can. Jonathan gets the cable, but just then Will gets neck shivers, and they have to run away because the monster has broken through the roof. Gregory and his friends go down the elevator and know that Hop is there. Hop is worried about Eleven, and Joyce tries to comfort him. They joke around together, and Joyce finally agrees to go on a date with Hopper, and yay, it's adorable! Meanwhile, Murray is still in the vents. Dustin and Erica help him make the right turns. Steve notices the lights in the town going crazy. They call the mall group to warn them, but the monster itself is the only thing that answers. So like a lot of single sentence action. Yes. Correct. So let's get started. Um, Jopper and Murray are driving to the mall. Uh, they're in the food court. They're worried about their kids. And Murray's like, you know what? We don't necessarily know that it's them. And it's like, ah, uh, yeah, we do. It's definitely them. Literally no other kids would be <laughs> caught up in this. Yeah. Yeah. It literally follows them. Like, what say, other children do you think? Yeah. Are their specific kids, mm-hmm. most of the time, are the cause of the issue. Exactly. <laughs> so Eleven is struggling and no one really knows what to do. So Jonathan goes to get some t- supplies to try and get the thing out of her leg. And he, like, heats up a knife and everything. Honestly, props to Jonathan for for doing this. Yeah. Uh, I certainly would not have the courage. I'm unfortunately going to have to give Jonathan credit for this mm-hmm. because uh, it was pretty smart. Yeah. Yeah, it was, like, really quick thinking. Mm-hmm. And he really, like did take one for the team to, like, start rooting around in her leg. Which was gross. Gross. Absolutely graphic. But he knew it was what had Necessary, to happen. Yeah. yeah. What, what would have happened if they just left it in there? Do you think it would have, like, taken over or something? Uh, I think that it's partially, like, a homing beacon. Ooh, mm. that makes sense. Yeah, and then also, like, she'd probably just pass out from the pain eventually, because that's how much it hurt. Yeah, fair enough. And then, so, I think that's probably what it was doing, was that it was trying to make her hurt enough that she passed out from the pain, then, then she's just, just sitting there, and yeah. it knows exactly mm-hmm. where she is. All right, okay. So, Robin tries to tell a story to make her feel better about how Beth Wildfire on her soccer team, like, got slid into and her bone came out. First of all, of course, you play soccer. Yeah. Well, yeah, she's gay. You absolute lesbian. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the only gayer sport would have been... Softball. 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 Yeah. Sam, uh, what sport did you play? Several, mm-hmm. but mostly softball. There you go. Hmm. Robin, what sport did you play? Also softball. It's okay, I played soccer, so. Mm, okay. Oh my god, I also sports. played soccer. Oh my god! Well, let's just cover our bases. I played volleyball and basketball as well. I also played volleyball, basketball, soccer, and underwater hockey. I played soccer and softball. I wasn't, my mom made me do these things. If it had been up to me, I would have done no extracurriculars and I would have stayed at home and read books. I respect you. Yeah. I also did Celtic dancing. I love tap dancing. Do you have any pictures? I I did clogging. I don't know. I might. I did clogging. Clogging is much better. Um, Is it? I I did, did, well, tap dancing dancing sucked. I did jazz too. I did theater. That covers all of them. (laughs) I did a lot of theater. I also, like, to round out all the dorkiness, I also was in band. Mm -hmm. So, like... Naturally. I I didn't want to do any of those things. I wasn't in band, but I did have a YouTube collab channel where we talked about Harry Potter. That's somehow more dorky than being in band. I own that. I know you do, which is why I feel comfortable calling you dorky for it. That's okay. So, Robin tells this story, and Steve's like, um, you're not helping, and she's like, oh my god, sorry. And I'm like, (laughs) I see where you tried to explain, because you you didn't get to the point- You didn't get to the point of the story where you said Beth is actually fine, and she didn't lose her leg and all is well, you know? Like, you just didn't get to that point. Yeah. It was more like, hey, well, my friend got hers kind of in the same way. It's like, okay, how does that help, buddy? (laughs) If I was her, I'd also be, like, very much panicking about, like, this horrible thing that's going on. I had a terrible nightmare last night that, like, literally... Do you guys ever have nightmares that straight up actually wake you up because you're so scared? Yeah. I I literally had one two nights ago and then last night, but it was about the Hawaii house. Yeah. It was, like, 
gory. It was scary. And yeah, so, I had a gory yeah. one. And so, like, I literally, like, woke myself up like that. Like, I can't imagine, like, actually living that. I just, like, I've never been around that sort of thing, and I'm glad that I haven't. The, I'll tell an anecdote if you like. I'll allow it. The, um, the only thing that's been close to this that I can, like, remember wasn't even gory because, no, like, no skin was broken or anything, but my parents played baseball. Well, they played slow pitch while I was growing up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is why I was then forced into softball and now have a deep, deep love of baseball um, because I can't, I'm not allowed to not like baseball. <laughs> but I like baseball of my own volition, you guys, don't worry. But it was deeply ingrained into me. Either way, my parents played slow pitch. My mom played third base and my dad played left field. So they kind of were always like sending the ball to each other. Okay. Or he was always throwing it to her. Okay. And so when I was a kid, yeah, like they, they met from playing baseball and my grandparents met playing baseball. So like, I should probably get on Oh my God, what the hell? Why haven't we had you playing baseball? I know. Cause I, cause I really hate playing sports because it feels like the stakes are too high and I don't want anyone to look at me. All right. Fair enough. Um, anyway, so they're doing that. I'm like eight years old. We're camping. We're doing a tournament and I'm like watching my parents play. My sister is back at the camper. I'm watching my parents play. My dad throws a pitch to my mom. My mom catches it in her glove, takes it, throws it to home. I can't remember if they got the person out or not. But then my mom's like, my hand feels weird. So she takes off her glove and her pinky is pointing perpendicular to her hand, but in the wrong way. Oh my god. And so basically my mom's pinky got dislocated by my dad's thing. And so I'm immediately like, my mother's hand is broken. Uh Everything is terrible. I must immediately run to my sister and tell her that our mother is dying. (laughs) But when I got back, it turned out that my, like, one of her other teammates, like, held her, held her shoulders my dad grabbed my mom's pinky and popped my, my mom's pinky back into place, and she played the rest of the game. That's insane. That's the most metal thing I have ever heard. So Eleven, really, just, like, suck it up. <laughs> but, like, the, the pain threshold that women have is insane. Yeah, it really is. Like, I know that the, the, the cultural idea is that men are strong and can take pain, but the amount of pain that we go through on a monthly basis while our organs try to literally leave our body, mm-hmm. I am not surprised that they just popped your mom's pinky back in and she kept playing. Yep. Well, and then it was bruised, but other than that, it was fine. How do you, how do you know to, like, where to pop it back in? Like, I think you just try and make it straight. Really? Yeah, because, like, it's over here, so you just try and get it back into... You just get it back in the in the socket. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's so gross. I was not there for that part, but I have <laughs> heard about it. Yeah, uh, nothing but respect for Denise right now. Yeah. So Dustin won't stop saying Jesus Christ, and I guess I support him for that. Yeah, same. Jonathan is very smart but nervous because he's just a teenager and he's just, like, you know, having to make these really big decisions. Yeah. Um, All of these children are going to need years of therapy. Oh, so much therapy. He cuts into her leg. She screams. Millie is amazing. Oh, Um, she's so good. And we all know that already. But when I was in theater school, we had this thing called impediments. It was a thing that we did for acting class. And it was basically, you. first of all, you started with something that was, like, small. Like, I did period cramps, where, like, you're just going through a scene, but you have this impediment going on. Mm-hmm. Or, like, someone has a, like, someone would go harder and they'd go, like, I, my, bro- I, my, my pinky's broken or whatever. Okay. You know, like, my, my wrist is broken and that's my impediment or whatever. Okay. And then we had these really, and then we had to, like, kind of just go up in intensity. And so I did uh, third degree burns. Oh, my God, Robin. And so... Uh, basically I had a scene in which, like, I poured, like, a, a giant vat of, like, water all over me. It was cold water, but I pretended that it was, and then I just sat on the ground screaming, basically. 
I remember this story now. Yeah. But, fun fact, you guys. I was actually going through a breakup at that time, so I literally just cried about that the whole time. And everyone was like, whoa. <laughs> I got, like, top grades like, on that. Like, didn't someone ask you if you were actually okay because they were concerned for you? Yeah, and I was yeah. like, yeah, I'm fine. I'm good. I oh, was, yeah, I was... because then you got up and just turned it off and everyone was like, yeah. are you okay? Yeah, well, I, I made sure it was very cold water because you know how sometimes heat feels, like, cold? 100% when it's mm. so hot. It, yeah. yeah. So, anyway, that's what I did. And so it, it reminded me a lot of that. And it's like, she's really putting in that work. She's doing impediments, but she's doing it. She's doing it. That's very cool. Amazing. I thought she was so good. So Jonathan's like, like I said, rooting around in her leg and she like calls him to stop and thank God. And then she's going to do it herself with her powers. Like I really thought he could get it at Mm -hmm. first, but then like he can't find it. It's because it's running away. At a certain point. And he's like jamming his fingers in her leg. And Mm -hmm. I'm just like, hmm. Maybe not. But he knows that the stakes are so high, he needs to do it now. He has to he, get it out, yeah. She's not going to let him go back in there, you know? Yeah. But it's trying to run away because it's trying to stay in her leg. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's so gross. So she's going to do it herself with her powers, and I believe this is the last thing that we see her do with her powers. Yeah. So, yeah. Like, it honestly feels like, like, what happened here, do you guys think? Like, was it, it was just so difficult that uh, they dissipated? Did Did this piece that was in her leg take her powers with it? No, I don't think it's that. Because she says to Hopper that her battery's low, and that her battery just doesn't seem to ever recharge. And it's been three months, and she still doesn't have any powers. I think that it's... That's a really good question. Oh, because when they close the gate, wouldn't that help close her powers, maybe? Oh, maybe. Doesn't she have her powers even when the gate is closed? But the gate was never properly closed, because that was one gate, right? Yeah, and they, like... And they kept reopening it. I guess, I just remember, like, when she closed the gate in season two, she still had them before the gate got opened again, did it not? Did she not? But the Russian gate was still open. But... Right, because the... the, During season two, the Russian gate Mm -hmm. was, like, being operated on at the same time as, like, while we were closing the other one. I... I... I understand, but by that logic, that means that the Russian gate is now closed. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, damn it. Well, didn't the didn't they have a huge accident and it like exploded and that's why they had to go to Hawkins because it didn't right. work. Well, did that cl- did so that closed it the explosion? Like in the at the beginning of the season? Yeah, I think so. I think we've all it established did. we don't know how else powers work. Yeah, <laughs> I guess that's true. Yeah. I wonder if maybe they'll make it a little bit more clear in uh, in next season because I want to know. We still don't know how long the time jump is, mm-hmm. and does did she ever get her powers back? I assume narratively that she didn't. I yeah. I also assume she didn't. I also kind of wonder if she'll probably have to like get them in a like super clutch moment. Yeah. In, oh yeah. In the season. Yeah. I wonder if she's drained down due to like extreme emotional trauma. I bet she doesn't get her powers back until the finale. I bet she doesn't Oof. get them back until she sees Hopper. <gasps> oh, Oof. her you power know? was her love for her dad. Well, like, she always had powers, right? But, like, yeah. she also, like, she'd been through unimaginable things. She was also really young and didn't really understand all of them. Now she actually has, like, psychological ability to, like, process these things. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't be surprised if just the extreme emotional stress of all of this, like, knocked her out. Right. So she gets the thing out and, like, all of the glass breaks behind her. Like, she's really working hard. Um, she gets it out. She throws it across the room and, it, like, tries to get away again. And Hopper steps on it. So the three of them have joined the party. The adults are here. Dun, Finally. Dun, dun. So Mike explains what happened to everybody and like it's basically the moment of the season where all of the parties all come together and tell everybody else what happened so everyone's on the same page. It's about damn time. 
They say that thing is 30 feet tall. It, and Hopper, by the way, sorry, it did destroy your house. Yeah. That's, that's, a, I don't even want to say that's on us. That's, it, that's just, sorry. From the bottom of my heart, it's not a huge deal because he's about to die. Yeah. Oh! He's <laughs> like, I can't think of this right now. What a cruel thing to say. <laughs> Me just choosing violence. So Steve says, is it a, so it's a gigantic weapon made of people. And they're like, yeah. And he's like, okay. And then he just keeps going. He's like, yeah, I was just clarifying. So um, Elle is snuggling up with her dad and they're like, oh, is it still out there? Yes, it is. But we can close the gate again. Murray runs out with some papers and he's just in his underwear. Murray's doing his best, but also his worst. I have a special place in my heart for Murray because of this season. And I am pleased to hear that he, that Murray and Erica have been uh, promoted to series or to, to season regulars for next season. See, whereas I hate Murray, but I'll allow it. I like Murray in the context of Jopper. I yes. can't stand Murray any other way. Right. I just think, I think he, um, he is a great person for humor to bounce off of him. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's a good straight man for yeah. sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like he, I like him specifically in the Jopper scenes and yeah. then like that's a, that's it. He's just like running around in his undies and I think that's funny. <laughs> You're right for that. Uh, and the papers that he has is Alexi's papers that he drew on and so oh, have all the information. Just a guy. But he doesn't know what the scale is of the drawing that he did. And they're like, oh, I think it's maybe 50 feet. And Erica knows that it's more than that um, because they were down there. And they're like, who are you, random child? And she's like, who are you, old man? Honestly, <laughs> good for her. <laughs> she she gives it right back and it's fantastic. And this she, random child literally knows more than you. Yeah, and she calls him Mr. Bun Man. She's why, hilarious. Why, oh, because his hair's in a bun? <laughs> no. Why are they calling him Because his last name is Bauman. He says, my, I'm Murray Bauman, and she says, okay, Mr. Bun Man. Oh, my bad. Sorry. They've been there for 24 hours, and Lucas is like, what? <laughs> this, this, uh-huh. I haven't slept in a while. <laughs> uh, and Erica goes, uh, he, and Murray calls her a four-year-old, and she goes, I'm 11, so shut the heck up. <laughs> Kate, literally, that was exactly what I was thinking during this, and I was like, yeah, yeah good. Every single time, she is, that is been, what I think. She would have been ideal for Vine and TikTok. Yeah, she really so would. true. But also, I bet you that actress is great at Vine and TikTok. Yeah. Oh, wait, not Vine. Ah! <laughs> She's like, uh, I'm 10. And of course, this reminded me, and I don't think that it's a specific reference because it's really, it's not a very iconic scene. But in season one of Lost, Sawyer says, and why am I getting the evening news from a six-year-old? And Walt goes, I'm 10. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's just a coincidence, but I like that you can make those But of course I'm gonna, I'm gonna put that together. Well, cause your thing is, if you can make it about Lost, you will make I will. it about Lost. And my thing is, if I can make it about Vera Farmiga, I will make it about Vera Farmiga, <laughs> so. Or Star Trek. We all have skills. So Erica calls him a bastard, and Lucas is like, oh my god, language! Because he has to be her parent. <laughs> and then he immediately lets her go off and do something else, which I love. Also, um, how come Dustin's allowed to swear? Because he's friends with Dustin. Because he's the same age as Dustin. <laughs> yeah. So Dustin agrees with Erica, but is like a little more polite about it. And they're like, we can help you find it. You're, like, you guys can do the go and like do the dangerous stuff. We're just kind of going to be helping. We're supplementing. We're your navigators. Yeah. And it's a good idea. Yeah. And Hopper's like, no. And I'm like, you won't let them be the navigators? Like, what else are you going to do? You don't have any other information. Hopper... As we've mentioned a couple times, there's points where Hopper is extremely annoying because they wanted him to be abrasive and overprotective. Yeah. But he just kind of comes out sounding like a dick. Mm. This is one yeah. of those times because, like, if a ch- if th- this kid has the resources you need, use it. Mm-hmm. It kind of reminds me of last episode when, like, Max started talking about, like, how to clean a wound and stuff. And J- Jonathan and Nancy were immediately like, okay, this kid knows more than us. So we're obviously going to listen about that because I don't have any information. Exactly. You know, I don't know how to do this. And so it sounds like 
if, you know, if she's going to speak on any type of authority, then we're just going to listen to it. Exactly. And, and Hopper is just not willing to do that. And I think that also comes with him being uh, law enforcement. Oh my god, that's totally... <laughs> because yep. Joyce doesn't do that. Yep. Yeah, it's just like, they definitely made Hopper's character like this to like make him like the grouchy old guy who banters, but mm-hmm. at the same time I'm just like, sometimes he's kind of an asshole. Yeah, they like sacrificed a lot of the growth that he had in earlier the first two seasons mm-hmm. for like weird Jokes. 80s tropes yeah. in this season. And it just didn't work. So Hopper starts setting up his gun. Uh, Dustin and Erica are, like, pretty sure that those people are going to die down there because they're not listening to them properly. And she says about Hopper, he's going to die. And so you're like, haha, whatever, Erica. But then it turns out to kind of be foreshadowing. And he does. Oops. And they're like, well, you didn't die. And they're like, yeah, but we almost did. Close enough. But did you die, though? Yeah. And so um, all the boys are like, wish you had been there, ditto, and then they really missed him, and they hug and everything. It's actually extremely cute. Yeah, and Erica's like, ew, gross, hugging. And I'm like, come on, Erica. Erica, you know what? (laughs) You need a good hug. Yeah, so true. Unless you don't want it, and then that's fine. So Hopper gives them a radio, and they're like, well, we need something stronger than this. Oh, wait, I already have literally everything you need. Will you just listen to me? (laughs) But I do need to go to the radio tower, and also, can I have a car? (laughs) Can I have a Can car? Can I have a car? And Hopper's like, I have one. So that works out. Yeah, the, this is fine. What so, a winky dink. Yeah, so Steven, <laughs> Steven and Robin also get to go because they're the Scoops troop. And, and they're the only ones who know how to drive. And I guess they've been working together, so it's like, they might as well. And, you know, I think Joyce wants Will specifically to go with Jonathan as well. So it's not like they're going to send Nancy and Jonathan with Dustin and Erica, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Steve gets to drive... Todd's car, and so now Steve is the car's father, now not Todd. Makes sense. Screw Todd. And I do have to say something. Okay, you can. Listen, he's working with the chief of police, so it's not a big deal, but Steve, do you have your license on you? Probably not. (laughs) Steve, you're also um, still definitely high. Yeah. Oh, a little bit, yeah. Like, literally, based on what he does later, definitely high. Yeah. So, back in the mall, Murray explains his frankly insane amount of keys to Jonathan and Nancy, <laughs> um, who aren't going to remember anything, and they'll, if they- They're just going to try them all. If they actually got to Murray's house, they would just try their best. Yeah. Know? Man, I would just kick down the door. <laughs> you know what I- you know what? What? They never get there, so it literally doesn't matter, but they'd probably, like, split them up between everybody, and everybody would just start trying the, like, three keys that they have. 100%, you know I mean? yep. So Joyce promises to come back to Will after she finishes this, because Will is being sent away to Murray's with Jonathan, and he's worried about her, not himself, because she's the one who's going into, like, the belly of the beast. Mm-hmm. Um, and she just, like, won't stop hugging him. She's it's a really, really sweet. good mom. Hmm. I feel like we did not get enough Joyce and Will this season. We never do, I yeah. think. Yeah, more Joyce and Will. I feel like season two gave us the most Joyce and Will. Yeah. And I said thank you. More Jason Will, please. Requesting, I'm just, I want season four to be so full of, like, Joyce with Will and also Eleven. Yeah. Because I feel like those are some, some really key relationships that we haven't gotten to explore as much as we should. Yeah. Because they usually get split up during the season. Mm -hmm. So Eleven tells Hopper that her battery is low, and it's interesting that she's learned that language for it since she didn't really grow up knowing a lot of... Like, she knew a lot of technology, but I wonder if she, like, learned the language for, like, battery and stuff like that. I kind of wonder if she got that from Mike. She might have done. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. And so he says that he believes in her, and he knows that she's their best fighter, but it's after her, it's not after him, so it's more important for her to run away. Um, Mike calls for her, she hugs her dad, and it is, in fact, the last time she sees him before she then believes that he is dead. Mm Mm-hmm. Hey, don't hurt my feelings like that. But at least (laughs) it's a really nice and lovely goodbye. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. It's true. 
And there's then Hop- hugging, there's niceness. Yeah. And then Hopper tells Mike to be careful. And at first I was like, before I had gotten to this line, I was like, don't apologize to that snotty kid. But he didn't, he didn't apologize. And I'm so glad for yeah, that. right. Uh-huh. Like, Mike has obviously gotten better as the past few episodes have happened. But I'm also just like, don't apologize to him because he kind of... He was in the wrong. Yeah, he, everything that he did, he had it coming. Um, and then Joyce didn't go with him. Or with, like, the kids, which Hopper, for some reason, expected that she would. Why would he think that, you know? I don't know. You need two... There are two keys. I guess like, he thinks that his arms are long enough to, to do both of them or something. Honestly, I, I mean, technically... you've never seen it, you could assume that. Yeah. But I think... Didn't Alexi specifically say that, like, there are two keys because two people need to do it? Yes. Me, Robin, it should be thirsty. But, like, yeah. did he say that to <sighs> just Murray or... Uh, sometimes I just assume that the things that Alexi told Murray, he, like, eventually recanted. But I guess I don't know 100%. So Hopper wanted it to just be Murray and Hopper so that Joyce would be safe. Um, but Murray explains that they can either, like, the two things that they can do is either turn it off or explode it. And they want to explode it, which means that it's a three-person job. I like the exploding one. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So we go outside. Elle is still bleeding and she's leaning on, of course, Mike and Max, who are the two people that she actively leans on Mm -hmm. other than Hopper of course and I like that it's like she instead of just leaning on Max or just leaning on Mike which is what she was doing at the middle and and at the beginning she's leaning on both of them at the same time and they're both willing to work together to help Eleven yes you know what that is Gross. And it's like, it's nice to see them reach that point because mm-hmm. they've been at odds all season. So like, it's just narratively satisfying yes. to see them work together. Mm-hmm. So Nancy goes to tr- turn on the car with all the kids inside, but it won't turn on. And they're like, uh, it's supposed to be a brand new car. They, you know, they have a battery, they have gas. So like, what's going on? Jonathan goes and looks and it's been tampered with. Dun, dun, dun. So do we think this was Billy? Uh, I think that's the implication. Yeah, I think it? it has to be because Billy is like the only person who's still like a human and not inside the monster. Exactly. So yeah, I think it was. And I, I love the idea that he like parked really far away, went up, did that, and then went back to his, like sadly walked back to his car just right? to sit there and rev his engine a bunch. He was like, I'm going to be vaguely threatening right now. Yeah. But from a safe distance. Mm-hmm. So yeah, Billy there, Billy is there threatening them. And I love that the fact that his license plate sort of spells out the word peace. It's P-C-E and then the three numbers. Oh my god, does and it? I'm like, yeah, I'm just like, like that. that's not, no. That's, 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 the, that's the opposite. opposite. So um, you lied. <laughs> ooh, who gets Billy's car after he dies? Oh my god, I hope it's Max. Yeah, they're like, you grow into this. Max would be bitching in that car. She basically already knows how to drive. And doesn't he, like, slam that car into another car? Like, isn't it pretty damaged? Oh, well, you're Steve, right. Another Steve car. does kind of destroy it. Yeah, that's true. Never mind. Um, <laughs> but so still, Max would look cool in that car. Also, Max could take the time that it would take her to be able to drive to fix the car. I love the idea of mechanic tomboy Max. Me too. Um, She's such a tomboy. I love it. Yeah. So they all run back inside because they can't do anything right now. And Billy is scary. So we see the trio in the elevator. The plan is to pull cables, set off the alarm. You can get the keys from the vault and then turn the keys once you get into like the control room. Then the gate closes. We escape through the vents and then we're good to go. And they're like, yeah, that's if nothing goes wrong at all. And it's literally perfect. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and nothing's going to go wrong. So, oh gosh, that won't, don't worry about it. Yeah. There's not going to be an issue. Yeah. What are you talking about, Robin? So Joyce is like, oh my God, uh, sorry you don't like our plan and he's like I didn't say I didn't like your, your plan and she's like well you made a noise so they start arguing like they're <laughs> in love again and Marie's like listen the plan is fine uh, you know they won't even know that we're here hopefully 
Um, and then the doors open and there's already there men with guns. And it's like, well, they already know that we're here. We uh-huh. just started. We've, Comedy. We've already screwed up. Mm-hmm. So Murray starts speaking in Russian and the lieutenant, they're like, oh, the lieutenant asked us to come with these important documents. And they're like, okay, which lieutenant? And he just like names a random Russian sure. word. And Finn. Uh, and then Hopper shoots all the men down. And Murray's like, oh my God, I had it under control. And I'm like, I don't. Think you did. I don't think they. See, yeah, I don't think that's they true. Didn't Ellen. Believe you. I think that he c- could have pulled it off based on the conversation he has later. Right. He could be like, you know, this lieutenant, ha ha, and then see if he can get them all to laugh. I don't know. Yeah, like if you name something like Smith, lieutenant like up some your generic butt. Russian name. Yeah. Good work. Generic I Russian guess. name. I wonder if it's because, huh? Because we've been talking about this elevator as if people aren't supposed to be on it. Right? And so I wonder if, like, they come up and they're like, hey, there are people on the elevator, so we are suspicious of them, so it would be harder for them to talk their way, talk out, of their way out of it. But then, Grigori and his men come down in that elevator. And I'm like, is, are they doing that just because it's fast? Mm, maybe? It's because they didn't have another elevator yeah, set. Yeah, that's true, that's true. And so Murray's like, I had it under control, and they steal their outfits. And I'm like, I, as if there are any other women here. Yeah, that, I was thinking that later when they talked to a different guard. Yeah. I was like... I haven't seen any other women. How is this guy not noticing that Joyce is a woman? Which is why I think they keep Joyce in the back. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, when they go and talk to that guy. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh-huh. So the Scoops troop is still driving and it's like so far away. But it's weird because they keep being like, oh my god, this is so far away. But when Steve like sees the the thing and he's like is able to get back to the mall and run into Billy's car in like such a, mm-hmm. a quick amount of time. I guess he really sped. I don't know. On IMDb, it said, when the kids leave the mall and are driving to the antenna hill, it seems to take a long time. Yet when they're on the hill, they can see the mall clearly as though the hill is overlooking the mall from like half a mile away. So that maybe is an oops. Yeah, I, like, don't worry about it. I don't know how geography works, but yeah. it could be further. I'm like, if this would all I don't have know been. How geography works. This all would have been fixed if you had just taken out that line about saying it took a long time. So Robin says that Susie must be really important if you did all this for her. And he's like, yeah, she's straight up perfect. And Erica's like, she sounds straight up not real. <laughs> and I was like, it turns out she's straight up annoying. Yeah, okay. Listen, I know she's a child and we're not supposed to say these things, but. Well, <laughs> Erica was right to dunk on her. As That's all I'm going to say. Yeah. Dusty buns. Yeah. Um, yeah how do you let her Hopper's, say that? How do you Hopper's let her say that to you? Call you that. Honey, I'm going to start calling you uh, Dusty Buns. Do not. Why not? I don't like it. Hmm. I was going to say, Hopper's blood is on your hands, Susie. Yeah. <gasps> That's harsh for a child. <laughs> she'll never know. All right, fair enough. So then Dustin gets upset that Steve is hesitating on whether Susie is real. I mean, Steve's his man. Yeah. Yeah. It would be insulting to hear that from, like, your bro. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So now they do the turn left now thing, which I think happens in around the finale in every single season so far, is the we're driving past somewhere. Turn left. What? Turn left. When? Right now. Ah! And they turn left. And it's always left. And it happens every season. That's funny. I never noticed that. Yeah. I was, I knew it happened in season two, but I don't think I clocked it in season one. I, I'm pretty sure that when we were recording about season one, I specifically clocked it because I remembered the Max one from season two. Hmm. I don't think I was a regular on the... Mm-mm, you weren't. Then. Mm-mm. So. So. <laughs> I wouldn't remember it. Yeah. So they drive basically all the way up the hill um, because it was like, it was hard for them to climb before back in like 
episode one. Mm-hmm. So it's very, like, it's very steep. And then they get stuck and have to walk halfway up. And then at the same time, Mike is calling them. And he just keeps saying it over and over again. And I'm like, well, if you shut up for one second, like, even if they were up there trying to talk to you, they wouldn't be able to answer because your loud mouth won't stop freaking talking. It was extremely funny watching this because Robin was yelling at the screen. <laughs> well, it's annoying. It's just like, well, maybe if you took your freaking hand off of the radio button, then maybe we could get back to you. Because the radio signals don't come in at the same time. Like, if you're, if you're... Hand. If your hand is on the button, you can't hear... You can't hear anything. ...a response. Just the sheer Stupid. anger that was coming out of Robin during that scene was hysterical. Well, I'm also like, I also don't really care that much for Mike. And so it's just like, you did an annoying thing and I'm going to yell about it. It's That's me with Jonathan, but also me with Mike because mm-hmm. I also don't care for Mike. Again, sorry to this child. Yeah. So then Mike tells them that they're trapped in the mall. They need them to come get them. Um, Lucas is practicing, practicing with his slingshot. Nancy is prepping the gun. And Max is worried that they're going to kill Billy. And Nancy's like, only if I have to, man. Like, uh. Like, I'll try not to murder your brother, but if he tries to murder me first. Yeah. Kind of going to be on site. Mm-hmm. So Will says that it's against the Mind Flayer. It's not against Billy. And I'm like, that's a good point. But uh, Billy's like, the one who would die. He's technically still in there. Yeah. It's what you would see. Mm-hmm. You know? So then they're like, oh, what about that flipped car? Haha, ha, too bad we can't drive that. And Jonathan, another smart guy move, if you can believe it, realizes that they only need the cable from it. And that's it. Kills me to have to give this man credit. I think that later, it's not that it doesn't work. It's just that it, like, he couldn't do it fast enough, I think. Was that the problem? Or did it genuinely not work? No, maybe I mean, it genuinely didn't work. Yeah, I'm like, I wonder if maybe uh, there was another thing wrong with it or something, I guess. But So they try and lift it because Eleven is, like, too weak right now, but they can't. And she, like, comes over and tries. But she really needs to conserve her energy right now, so maybe this is not the hill to die on. And she tries, but we don't see what happens until later. So uh, Jopper and Murray stole, like, a little car. <laughs> and they drive up to a guy. And Murray says that they're new recruits, and the guy really ominously goes, well, say goodbye to sunlight. And I'm like, wow, this guy loves his job. <laughs> I'm like, I He doesn't feel- get paid enough yeah. for this. I always feel bad for, like, these minor characters who yeah. are just like, God, this job sucks. Yeah. And then uh, Murray's like, well, who needs that when we have each other and alcohol, right? Ha 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 ha. And the guy loves it, and he just lets him through. He says, ha ha, you're such a funny guy. See, I this is why I think Murray could have done it. Yeah. Russians but, love vodka. But maybe it's also because this guy's uh, lower ranks. Yeah, I think that. And also, like, he just doesn't care that much. <laughs> it's mm. also that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I think, like I said before, Joyce is not up front because there's, like, hardly any women. And he'd be, like, looking her right in the face. Staring so, camp right in the eye. Yeah. <laughs> so they open the door and she's like, why are you talking so much? And he's like, well, he was a nice guy. And Hopper was like, okay, we'll hang out with him later. That'd be nice, right? Because he's so nice. Again, Jealous Hopper comes to the rescue. Yeah. Against Murray? Shut up. Okay. (laughs) I'm like, aw. Hopper really loves his friendship with Murray that he's jealous of this guy. He's he's like threatened by this Russian guy. He's like, don't talk to my friend. Yeah. (laughs) Well, Murray, how about we hang out later? Not him, you and him. So they open the vent and it's really small and Murray wants to like trade jobs. And at first I was like, well, yeah, it makes way more sense for Joyce to go down there. Because she then wouldn't be seen because she's a woman uh, and there's no women here. And also Murray could speak Russian and she's smaller so she could fit in the vent. But mm-hmm. then once Murray gets on the other side of the vents, you realize that he has to like look at diagrams and everything. And it's yeah. something that probably Joyce wouldn't be able to do. Like the reason that he goes is all like scientific. Yeah. Well, and he's also, like, this is kind of his bread and butter in terms of, like, espionage. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. his paranoia is being completely confirmed here, so mm-hmm. it's sort of like, 
a pinch me moment of him being like, I'm not crazy. Yeah. All of this was real. Like, technically, all that Joyce and Hopper were supposed to do was punch in the numbers that someone else gave them. Yeah. And then twist a key. Yeah, that's true. So, like, that was really, like, the job that made the most sense for them. Yeah. (laughs) Stand there and look pretty. Yeah. So, Dustin calls, and we learn that Marie's codename is Bald Eagle, which makes total sense. I love it. Um, Love that he went along with it. Yeah. Well, begrudgingly, but yes. And he goes, listen, I'll hit you up when I need you, so shut up and leave me alone. (laughs) Um, And he says, I hate children. And he gets in the vent. You hate Uh, children, and yet those children are saving your life, sir. In a show filled with children, you're the perfect person to be here. So, yeah, just smile and nod if anyone talks to you, and uh, good luck. Bye. Bye. Toodles. So back up in the mall, Eleven's powers didn't work. Um, They're still trying to get the car fixed uh, and upright. They use physics to get it turned back up. And they open the hood, but then we see Eleven going through the trash, and she tries to get herself a can of Coke so that um, she can try and use her powers, and she can't even scrunch it. And I feel like she probably feels really useless. Yeah, um, oh, fully. Yeah. I, I, was, I was saying to Sam a couple days ago when I was talking about a couple of things that I wanted to talk about in this podcast is that, like, her without her powers, she probably feels like, what else am I? What else do I offer mm-hmm. if I don't have this thing? Fair enough. But I'm also like... Her without her powers is the exact amount of help everyone else can offer. And she's so creative and so smart. Yeah, so, like, you're still important and special. Like, just because she's a muscle doesn't mean she doesn't have other qualities. Like, is it true that she was injured and therefore, like, spends most of this time just, like, running away and, like, hiding and, like, lying down? Mm -hmm. Yeah, but it's different from the other two seasons. Yeah. You know, which is nice, but I understand why it would be so demoralizing for her. Oh, yeah. It makes perfect sense. You making this point also reminds me of, there's a Star Trek episode where (gasps) Deanna loses her powers. Mm -hmm. And for people who don't watch Star Trek, Deanna is basically an empath, so she can, like, read feelings and emotions from other people. And that's very important for her job because she's the ship counselor. And so when she loses her powers, she also feels like she goes through that same sort of thing. And um, the, like, moral of the episode is that she is just as good at at her job, just on her own merits, mm-hmm. even without, like, her extra abilities. Yeah. And I she think has that value will, outside of it. Right. And yeah. I think that's what uh, Eleven's lesson will probably be, like, mm-hmm. over the course of the next season. Yeah. Which I think is good because then she can develop a personality and an identity outside of being tortured and being a trauma victim and then having, like, these unnatural abilities that she you know, has control over, but also cause her damage. Yeah. And she can become a fully fledged person outside of all of that. Mm-hmm. And it's perfect because she gets to move away. Yeah. And nothing scary is, I like I said, I don't know how long the time jump is. Yeah. Right. But like nothing scary is following her and she just gets to like be in a new town, be a normal ass person yep. and just like live her life. She doesn't have to hide And just anymore. like probably be a kid for yeah. like maybe the first time. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. Or I guess a normal teenager. I think it's awesome for her. Yeah, I know that she definitely wouldn't see it that way, but Mm -hmm. I think it's awesome. I think it's deeply necessary for her character to be able to grow properly because Mm -hmm. if she's constantly in trauma mode slash I have to be the savior mode, like, you you can't sustain a character like that. It's gonna burn out very quickly. Yeah. So, yeah, we have her with her empty can of new Coke, and I, we see, like, the parallel, we get, like, a flashback in season one when she could do it, and I was like, I was about to say, if they 
they hadn't made it like that explicit, I was going to bring it up. You know what I oh, mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I was like, oh, that's a very explicit parallel. And then they did a flashback and I was like, oh. Did we even need that flashback though? I don't think so personally. Yeah. I think we could have put it together because it was kind of like an iconic moment in season one. Exactly. But. Oh, for sure. So we have jo- Jonathan like struggling to find the thing. Uh, and then we get that shot of Will and his neck shivers. Uh, I know I have oh, Will's neck shivers. complained in the past that we do the exact same shot every single time, but I guess in between this one and the last one, it was, the last one was like a little bit different. So I guess I'll allow this. This is the finale. So it's fine. I feel Plus, like we have to give a purpose to Will because mm. he doesn't really have one right now. Mm. Yeah. Like they really under, they overused that shot in the trailer too, to mm-hmm. like sort of emphasize like that Will might have like, abilities from being in the Upside Down, Mm -hmm. and then it went nowhere. But, like, I guess they use it enough that it's sort of, like, a motif. Yeah. But, yeah, like, I agree with Brittany, they didn't really give Will much to do, Mm -hmm. which was probably, like, one of the only, like, true disappointing parts of the season. Mm -hmm. All he did was, like, want to play D&D and, like, maybe be gay. (laughs) Right. Will's role a lot of the time in this show is either to, like, be tortured or to be sad. Like, much like- it's, like, so- it's such a bummer? It's, like, similar to Eleven. Like, they- they can't- they haven't, like, broken them out into, like, their own personality Mm -hmm. beyond, like, how the Upside Down has defined them, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because Will's other job is to be a motivation for other people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it's, like, I'm really glad that this whole- there's a whole basic restructuring of the show. Yeah. So everyone hears footsteps on the roof. So hello, it is here. It showed up. Jonathan finds the thing. Mike yells for Nancy. And I loved that. That my I, yeah. I love seeing the Wheelers care for each other. Me too. It's kind of new. That like it's Nancy who he yells for. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it smashes through the roof. God, that's terrifying. Also, Nancy's a badass in this episode, just as an aside. Like, she is. She, she's at peak badass. Yeah. I really like when Nancy's plotline has nothing to do with Jonathan, because mm-hmm. then she's allowed to be a badass. Yeah. Yep. So Gregory and his people go down the elevator, too. We see all the dead people that Hopper killed, and he ta- he calls them the Americans, so it's definitely who they're talking about in the credit scene, and I think, like, eventually we got, like, another teaser trailer that, like, showed him in Russia, so we 100% know that he's alive. Yeah, we definitely oh, yeah. see bald Hopper yeah. in, the, in the teaser trailer. Hopper says that it's taking too long, and, and he's worried about Eleven, and they're like, it's okay, she's going to Murray's, because they have no idea that they're not going to Murray. And I'm like, yeah, but first of all, you gave all of Murray's info up on the phone. Oh, yeah! Like, uh, well, to the good guys. That's true, that's true. Yeah, just Owens would be going there. He's basically. not actually tapped by the Russians. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean... That we know of. Yeah. <laughs> um, Joyce's outfit is so ill-fitting. It's hilarious. It's 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 like a it's a kid cosplay. Oh, yeah. the like the uniform. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. so funny. Uh-huh. So they're like, it's fine. We're gonna kill the thing before it can even get to them. And he's like, no, no, no. You're supposed to say, I told you so. And she's like, well, I, you would say it's hard to listen to you when you make everything sound so dire. And she's like, you know, it's very cute. They're like making fun of each other. And then you start. Then you get the romantic music. And you're like, mm-hmm. I said thank you. And like, like I know where this is when going. When we were watching this, my gut was like, oh no. Because mm-hmm. these kind of good things don't happen without the bad things. Yeah. 
So he says that they make a good team, and she asks if she got the job with the Hawkins PD as a detective that he offered her, and he's like, well, you can't serve in a town that you don't live in. But she says that she's not 100% set on moving anymore. Because hmm. they want to hang out. Before they, like, softly fade into, like, gently flirting, Yeah, I genuinely thought, like, the first time that I watched this episode, like, when I binged it the day it came out, mm-hmm. I fully thought they were going to argue to the point where, like, one of them kissed the other to, like, mm-hmm. shut the other up. And they didn't do that. But I, I want it in the future, you know? Yeah. There's some tropes that I still want to see in this world. Mm-hmm. Like, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll take this. Because uh, I'm a fan of slow burn as well. Mm-hmm. and But then he has to pull back and be like, okay. And then she has to be like, okay. You know, to be like, hey, was it okay that I did that? Yeah. And then they kiss again. Mm-hmm. Thank you. <laughs> you can make consent sexy. Mm-hmm. You absolutely sure. can. So they say that they deserve to celebrate if we make it out of here. They go and sit together. And she says that they should go to Enzo's um, Friday at 8, which is, I think, I can't remember if it was Friday, but it was like the it's exact date. their he, original date. Yeah. And he's like, oh, uh, yeah, but Miami Vice is on at 10 and Eleven likes to watch it. So, like, I can't be out that late. And I bet <laughs> Joyce was like. the funniest thing I have ever heard. But also Joyce is like, I'm also a mom who loves my children. It is very sexy that you said that. You know yeah. what? That's oh, absolutely. Good kind of a turn yeah. on you, right? He, she's like, whoa, are you telling me that you care about the boundaries and the uh, dates that you set with your children. Incredible. Mm. <laughs> I already have some children, but would you like to give me more? <laughs> and I really love this also because, like, season two Hopper would just be, like, out late and apologize to Eleven. So, like, oh, I love yeah. that. Yeah. Um, and he's just, like, really nervous about it. And he, she's like, okay, well, let's go at seven and, instead. And he's like, okay, I'll meet you there. And she's like, no, you can pick me up. That's date behavior. Because earlier in the mm-hmm. season, he was like, I'll pick you up. And she was like, no, I'll meet you there. Yeah, because exactly. she was still too scared. Yeah. And now, like, they've spent, you know, several days confronting their feelings. Yeah. She knows what she wants. Yeah. And she says the word. She says date. And so he, like, hears her say that that word, but needs to clarify just in case. And she's like, shut up or I'll change my mind. It's great. <laughs> it's adorable. It's it's what rom-coms are made of. Yeah. Top-notch flirting. It's top-notch flirting without a lot of hostility. Yeah. Hmm. So Murray's in the vents. He asks for the help of the Scoops troop. And they're like, ah, yes, when we talked about My Little Pony. Yes, I remember the junction of the when the My Little Pony happened. And I'm like, weren't you at the fan when you talked about My Little Pony? Yes, they were. Hmm. I don't know about this, you guys. They really were. So then they tell him to fly right, bald eagle. Uh, Robin asks about the My Little Pony thing, but they don't want to tell her. Steve sees the lighting going crazy at the mall, and so they run to tell the Griswold family at the mall. Um, the fact that they're called the Griswold is so funny to so, me. So the Griswold family is a reference to the 1983 comedy film National Lampoon's Vacation, in which the family travel in a wagon in a wagon queen family truckster similar to the vehicle that Nancy Wheeler drives. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's a whole National Lampoon series. It's yeah. funny because then um, Steve later talks about a na- another National Lampoon uh, mm-hmm. movie. So that's pretty cute. Which one was that one? Uh, hold on. Boop, 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 it, boop, it's boop. Animal House. Yes, Animal House. Yeah, yeah, okay. It's, yeah, he references Animal House, but Animal House is not like part of the... That's not the Griswold Griswold. Stuff. Like it's the same, they're all National Lampoon movies, yeah. but the Griswold, I think it's just like the team that makes the movies. Oh, I don't think I've ever seen one. Because, like, there's a section of the National Lampoon movies, which is, like, all about the Griswolds. It's a lampoon. They go on vacation. (laughs) My mom's mom's favorite is Vegas Vacation. Thank you. Yeah. It's, each of those is, like, the the Griswold family vacation, Mm. but it's, like, a specific theme each time. Mm. Like, there's the Christmas, we watch the Christmas one every year. This explains why Van Wilder has always confused me. Yeah. I was like, what the hell is Van Wilder? There's no Griswolds here. Right. (laughs) Exactly. 
Okay, got it. So lastly in this part, um, we just get the monster yelling into the radio instead, which I think is really funny. Just <laughs> hooting and hollering. They're there. like, hello, Mike. Hello, Mike Griswold family. Hello. And the monster quite literally take, picks up the radio and goes, bah! The monster <laughs> takes the radio and is like, this is Patrick. <laughs> the monster said, shut up. <laughs> and I love that because then Mike is just like, oh, or, and Dustin's like, what? That's not them. It oh, sure is it. Oh, no. And that's part one. Nailed it. Well, now it's time for everyone's favorite segment. Oh. oh right. Uh, actually? Uh, actually? Uh, actually. I have several uh, actually right, today. Because it's a finale, you gotta. They're so long, there's gotta be some issues. Okay. Uh, actually, Susie claims Plank's constant is 6.626070004. Alright, which arbitrary digit is wrong? But that measurement is from 2014. Okay. What was it in 1985? Yeah! Then? I do not know. Wait, they don't even provide the answer? No, I don't know. Hateful. Uh, actually, when Dustin and Susie are talking, Susie refers to Planck's constant as a mathematical equation. Planck's constant is a number that links a photon's energy to its frequency of an its electromagnetic wave. It's a quantity that is important in quantum physics. It's not an equation. Okay, well, that's kind of fair, I guess. Uh, actually, when Susie and Dustin were singing on the ham radio, both of their voices were being transmitted simultaneously. That is called full duplex as a telephone, as in a telephone connection. This is impossible on the shortwave frequency that they were using, which only supports simplex as in one voice at a time. Oh, okay, so they would sound like a friggin' nightmare. Right. Well, is... Which is what I was saying about Mike as well. Are they, are their voices transmitting simultaneously, like, in, like, diegetically, or is it, like, we hear them both because we're the audience? That was my question as well, but I didn't know the word diegetic. It's, uh, I think that it would be fine if we were just seeing Susie and Dustin, but we are seeing Hopper and Murray and Stephen Robin all here. And so, like, when we're, on the they, radio. Bo- they hear both yeah. of them. Okay. Yeah. Uh, actually, Dustin and Su- I told you that most of well, them are about Dustin and Susie. Well, actually, um, actually. Okay. Um, could the team not hear Dustin simply because they are on, like, the radio that Dustin is using to, like, communicate with the group, and... Susie, because she is coming through Dustin's Mm -hmm. fancy radio. So I believe what happens is that Dustin and Susie are on their own frequency that Dustin is supposed to meet her on, and then he tells her to move to the frequency that everyone else is on. And then so Dustin and Susie are both on the frequency that everyone else is on, and so it is my understanding that the person who did the uh actually is right, and you shouldn't be able to hear both of them at the same time. Especially because there would be some sort of lag between them, too. Like, there's no way that their their actual song would, would line up. How did they get so many details right, and then that kind of big one wrong? Yeah. Uh, it's really just for the song. The and that's okay. The cinematography yeah, of it the all. The cinematography, for sure. It has nothing to do with that, but yeah. <laughs> uh, actually, Dustin and Susie make an around 1,500 mile ham radio contact from Indiana to Utah at night on a frequency of... 14.158 megahertz. Such radio contacts rely upon atmospheric ionization provided by the sun and would be unusable when darkness covers both locations. <gasps> That's also, fascinating. human technology is insane. Yeah. Uh, actually, after the Mind Flayer bursts into the mall and gets a hold of the kid's radio, it can be heard shrieking on Dustin's end while he tries to reach his friends. After a while, Dustin alarms Bauman that they have a problem, causing Hopper to respond immediately. Given the fact that they all use the same frequency, Hopper should have heard the monster's noises and Dustin's attempt to talk to the other kids already, and he would obviously react earlier. Okay, listen, these are quite <laughs> quite honestly a millennials writing the show. It's yeah, fine. Yeah, it's I fine. thought that the implication for Hopper and, like, their group not hearing that was that like they were underground and it didn't work but that doesn't I mean, make any yeah, sense because later they are still because they still hear yeah. them later yeah 
I heard it. <laughs> the point is that you're beautiful. Thanks. Uh, actually, after rolling the car, Mike says, told you, physics, yet no one's holding their metal stanchion in a way that would increase their mechanical advantage. If anything, their final attempt required more strength than pushing on the car with their hands directly. Like, I know, but shut up. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, actually, you know how I, I like to get more and more ridiculous as we go on? Yeah, yes. you're pissing me off. Uh, actually, seagulls shown with black heads are meant to be in California. Gulls in the West have white heads. Shut up. Black-headed gulls are found on the East Coast of the U.S. Shut up. Are found on the East Coast of the U.S. Also, didn't even know those existed because, uh, we are- Uh, I think you'll find we have seagulls here in Canada. Uh, actually, shut up. Wait, wait, so, so what's- What? Sure. What? So what's happening is that we are seeing seagulls with black heads uh-huh. in in the Billy flashback of him in California. They Film in Atlanta, you boob! Yes, but they're <laughs> upset about the fact that the seagulls are not accurate to them being in I'm California. so sorry that they didn't fly <laughs> seagulls in across the country. Shut up! The seagulls could have flown themselves. <laughs> uh, actually, cars in the state of Indiana do not have front license plates, only rear. Shut up. Uh, actually, when the camera is panning through Starcourt parking lot in the aftermath of the final battle, the muzzle of one of the M60Ds mounted on the UH-1s is seen waving around randomly as though someone is playing around with it. Even if it was one of the kids, no U.S. Army helicopter crewman would allow someone to play with a loaded automatic weapon. Shut up! Shut up! (laughs) Shut up! (laughs) Shut up! Uh, actually? Oh my god! (laughs) In the three months later scene, when the cutting edge starts, you can see two white modern window air conditioners. Shut up! One higher and one LG. In 1985, window ACs weren't white. They were usually beige or dark green and had a spine fin coils instead of radiator coils. You 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 I'm had so to make angry. a big deal about the color of the of the AC air conditioner in the background. What fucking bullshit anecdotal nonsense? They were usually beige. They could have been white. You have you seen every air conditioner from the 1980s? You little asshole. Also, like the television, like filter that they have on to, like, make it look like 1985. probably blew out the white. Exactly. (laughs) Uh, actually, the Wheeler family station wagon is a Ford with a 5.0 HO engine. You can see this when the hood is opened. But the engine is fuel injected, no carburetor, which wasn't available in the 5.0 HO engine until 1986. It's doubtful that in July of 1985 that the Wheelers would have a 1986 Ford. The fact that there are grown people who go on the internet and and write this stuff down I'm so mad. because they like how do you notice that what do you do with your life also, how do you get to this don't point? car manufacturers advertise for the year next i think that's what they're saying is that the wheelers aren't rich enough to have gotten a car that you don't that. friggin' know that they live in a nice house they're republicans the wheelers are republicans they're yeah. probably rich yeah i mean back then that exactly yeah. not as, ri- not they're as rich 80, as steve's they're 80s like republicans mm-hmm. And this is the last one, okay? No, I'm actually, like, so angry right now. I hate men. Okay, I have one more. <laughs> I know this is all men. If you're a man listening to this, I don't mean you. Do you not want to hear my one more? I do, but it's just going to make me angry. Uh, actually, all the events in this chapter occur on July 4th. You're with cool. me so far? When the kids get to the hill with the antenna, there's a full moon. However, there was no full oh moon. Oh my god! no full moon on July 4th, 1985? Okay, so here's the thing. That's not something you would ever organically know. Yeah. Which means this person went and looked for that just to find something to bitch about. Uh, yeah. This is the kind of person that ruined Star Wars. Mm. They ruin every fandom. They're the ones who will make you, like, prove that you know how dilithium crystals work. And I'm like, you know what? I don't always know how dilithium crystals work, but I know that Spock and Kirk were gay. So check me. Yeah. Like, 
Ooh, made up sci-fi technology. Go burr. Shut up. I don't care. Also, this I isn't set how it works. In our universe! I'm watching TV. I'm having fun. Leave me alone. It's like the people who nitpick superhero movies. Like, suspend your disbelief for five minutes, yeah. Keith. Yeah, but also any guy named Keith listening to this is like, hey. <laughs> but also, thank you so much for the content for my uh, for my podcast. Truly, it is thanks hilarious. for the And now it's time for part two, which Brittany did the summary for. So basically, this whole plotline is all, um, or this whole part is all uh, action. So. The kids hide from the mind flare. They debate how to escape with Elle's leg, and Elle says that they need to escape through the gap, and I think that's funny, because it, it's a gap. Mm-hmm. Remember when gap sweaters were the fashion statement? Mine was red and had white lettering. Anyway, Hop and Murray check in with Dustin. Murray calls Hopper and Joyce lovebirds. Same. Anyway, it's almost plan time. The kids recreate the kitchen scene from Jurassic Park inside the gap. Lucas decides to distract the monster by popping a balloon with his slingshot, and honestly, his brain is so big. Mm-hmm. Everyone books it into the mall's corridors. Below, Hop and Joyce try to enter the vault and fail. Murray's memory of Plank's constant is wrong. Dustin overhears this. He needs to make a call on the radio. The kids get out to the car and find Billy revving his engine like a super cool dude. This isn't stuff you've already covered, right? No. Yeah, okay, that's what- I was like, Billy has already revved his engine. He does it twice. He sat there doing it for a while. I know, it was weird how he sat out there. Like, I know that his brain- his brain literally turns off when he doesn't see the people. Like, quite literally just turns off or whatever. And then it <laughs> turns back on and goes, rev, rev, rev. No, like, why is he literally, like, a video game character? And, like, he's a challenge that you have to, like, go to. He's just frozen But you there. keep walking past him and he's yeah. trying to get your attention by revving the engine. Yeah. It's like, hello, I have a side quest for yeah. you. And that's <laughs> it. Okay. Nancy starts firing bullets at Billy as he starts careening towards them, and it's actually so metal because she does it without blinking. Billy doesn't stop and is about to hit them straight on when Steve smashes a car into the side of Billy's. Pretty good for a high guy. The monster breaks out of the top of the mall and starts chasing the kids as they drive TF out of there. Why do I write these things? In Salt Lake City, Dustin reaches Susie. He asks if she knows Plank's constant, but Susie's a freaking buzzkill and decides she won't tell him until Dustin sings. It's mad weird. Anyway, Dusty Bun sings as the kids drive away from a monster and Joyce and Hop chill in a Russian bunker. Susie finally gives them the proper numbers and Joyce and Hop get the goods. The kids realize the monster is going back for Eleven and flip around to go back to the mall. Hopper clears the Russian room with his gun. It's very effective. Bill chases- Bill. <laughs> Ew! He's yeah, like yeah. ten times less hot being named Bill rather than Billy. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Billy- You've lost me. <laughs> Goodbye. Billy chases Elle, Max, and Mike down. Max tries to bring Billy back, but he just beats everyone up instead of answering. That's rude. I just realized that Billy's real name is William. Yeah, they would call him Bill. I know. No, it's very funny to think that that guy, Billy, that guy, his name's William. Yeah. It's funny. Hopper and Joyce prepare to use their keys. Their countdown is interrupted by Grigori, who kicks both their asses for a second, before Hopper goes absolutely ape shit and starts beating the crap out of him. Billy kidnaps Elle and leaves her as an offering for the monster. Before it can eat her, the kids pelt it with fireworks, and it's mad dope. Grigori and Hop square off near the reactor. The kids rain actual hell upon the monster, but it's not working well enough. They need to close the gate. Joyce uses her belt to tie herself to the keys so that she can pull both at the same time. Billy pins Elle down and Elle sees into his head again, so she appeals to him by talking to him about his beach day with his mom. Hopper gets a leg up on his fight and throws Gagori into the machine, and it's off course now. Billy stands up to the monster to protect Elle, and it just super kills him. So the monster throws the radio away, and their safety cannot be confirmed. They're like, confirm your safety, and the monster just screams at them, and they're like, okay, so... So no. So no. no. I love that they call Murray's house the bald eagle's nest. (laughs) They really thought out all these jokes. Mm -hmm. They're hiding behind the car again. They can hear Dustin talking on the radio. Um, Will is super scared in particular. I find him relatable. 
Yeah. And meanwhile, Joyce just thinks that her kids are totally fine and everything's fine. I think that's better for her to think that. Oh, for sure. Uh, She would have been a wreck if she had known what happened. So the monster goes like looking around for everybody. And of course, Elle is like super extra scared because her powers are not working. She cannot Mm -hmm. protect them. Um, Dustin keeps screaming, hello, do you copy? Clearly they do not copy. Dustin? Bro, no one copies. They're a little busy. Yeah. I'm gonna allow this, though, because he's Dustin. Yeah. Yeah, and he's just, like, concerned for his friends. He and Lucas, especially, and Will, they're allowed to get away with it whatever Mm -hmm. they want. So Steve runs to go save them, and Robin follows, so they're they're both gonna go together. Dustin calls Murray, but he's mad for (laughs) them calling him. He tells them there's a problem and Hopper's listening too because they're all in the same frequency. Then we see the monster and it is just massive. It's so big. It's, it's terrifying. How mm-hmm. are these kids ever going to stand a chance? Yeah. So we see Will and he's with Jonathan, which is good. He has somebody. Nancy is watching it through the mirror. Mike says we should run up the stairs now while it's not looking. Elle says they can run through the gap. And like Brittany said, it's a gap. It's something that you could run through. That's it's a why gap it's in the funny. gap. It's a double entendre. Okay, I just want to say this is so clearly not a gap because the mm-hmm. gap always had way better aesthetic choices for wall decor. Were you there in 1985? Um, actually. <laughs> I just assume. Okay. Uh, so Mike, Max, and Elle are in a different place than Nancy, Jonathan, Will, and Lucas. Max falls over so the monster hears and goes. Uh, they've got like that weird tentacle thing that goes searching for them. There's like 10 tentacles on this thing. This I'm like, why do you have so many arms, yeah. bro? So that they can uh, suck the life out of everybody at once. All the children of Oh God! Don't just about to say that. Oh, good thing we're getting married. Yeah, that's true. So then the tentacles like looking around. It grabs a mannequin with Elle's exact outfit on it because that's where she bought the outfit. Murray gets to where he was going. Hopper asks how much longer it's going to take, and Murray goes, "I don't know. This is my first time, Jim. I mean, it's extremely fair. I've never done this before. Have you <laughs> ever broken funny. into an underground Russian facility yeah. to stop aliens? Maybe you should have done this job instead." Mm. So Murray finds the thing he was looking for. Um, he calls Jopper Lovebirds, which is great. Uh, the kids are not found by the scary monster. The Russians start seeing, like, like it's just kind of like a montage of a lot of things mm-hmm. happening. Yeah, it's just a lot of crap. It's basically a lot of action. Yeah. Russians start seeing the laser power down, so they start the alarm. Uh, Lucas gets his slingshot ready. He hits a balloon elsewhere so that'll leave the others alone, and it's about to get them, so that's really good timing. It's it so was, clever. It was an extremely cool move. Mm-hmm. It was very well done. He's very smart. Hmm. Can you tell I stand him? I love yeah. him. And I feel like they've done the Jurassic Park kitchen scene before. Like, it's a, it's a very good uh, scene to do references to. Yeah. So both of the teams run now that it's distracted. The Russians are freaking out. Jopper, follow them. They're just basically hidden in plain sight right now. And some guy comes up to them and says, did Mikhail send you? And they have no idea that that's what he said. And so they just smile and nod. And you know what? That's a good answer. And so the guy's like, all right, let's go then. Yeah. Doesn't good. notice that Joyce is fully a woman. So they get in and they get to the next door that they need to go to. They put in the code, but it's wrong. And so they tell Murray that his code is wrong. And he's like, sorry. My B, this is my first time again. I thought that <laughs> I knew Plank's constant, but maybe I don't. Uh, I can't really Google it because we don't have Google. So sorry. Can you imagine living without the internet? I don't want to. Like, I was literally sitting there and I'm like, this would be so Googleable. I feel like I've, I might have said this on this podcast before, but it kind of reminds me of how Google works in the Big Brother house because in Big Brother, they don't have their phones. They don't have the internet. They don't have anything to do, right? And so basically, if someone's wondering something, they will say what they think is true. And then if they can get three other house guests to agree with them and say, no, yes, I do believe that's right, then everyone just agrees that that's what's correct. Mm. Because they can't look it up. And that's the basis of human history. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. 
Oh dear. Yeah. Yikes. I, th- I swear that's how religion came to be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so he did say 608 and it's 607, we learn later. Oh, okay. So Dustin's listening to this and he doesn't he doesn't know it off by heart, but he knows someone who does. Um, so the kid team runs, they try and fix the car, but Billy's still out there being weird and making it weird. He's mad weird. Nancy threatens him while Jonathan tries to start the car, but it's still not working. Uh, Billy starts driving, Nancy's trying to shoot him, and he doesn't stop because he is not in his own brain and has no sense of self-preservation. Nancy Uh, looks so cool doing this, though. Mm -hmm. Um, But then his car is hit by Todd's car, and it's Steve and Robin who helped save the world. It's the himbo and the lesbian come to save the day. Mm-hmm. And that's the best team you could ask for. Are True. they both a little high? Yeah. But that's okay. Mm-hmm. So they're like, are you okay? Ask me tomorrow. And I'm like, yeah, if you're alive. <laughs> they are. So it's fine. I know. But I'm also, like, I just think, and I'm going to talk about this in Good Guy Steve, but, like, the fact that, like, he was just fine, totally safe up on that hill. And he chose to go back. And he chose mm-hmm. to go back and be near the monster and put himself in danger to, like, save everybody else. Steve and Robin are action heroes. Yeah. Yeah. They just are. They're not They're not your normal action heroes. And maybe that's a good thing. So the monster knows that they're out there now because Billy knows that they're out there and they're invited in the Griswold family car. So then they're going to go. About time. Then we go over to Salt Lake City, Utah. Um, we see some sheet music and she is reading A Wizard of Earthsea. So A Wizard of Earthsea is a fantasy novel written by American author Ursula K. Le Guin. Mm-hmm. Um, oh! Very prolific author. Like one of the most iconic sci-fi writers. Yeah. First published in 1968, it is regarded as a classic of children's literature and a fantasy within which it was wildly influential. The story is set in the fictional archipelago. I know this word, but I don't know how to pronounce it. Archipelago? Archipelago of Earthsea and centers on a young mage named, I always think it's Jed, but she says in the episode Ged, so I'm going to say that that's how you pronounce it. Okay. Um, Unless it's a Hermie One situation and she just... Oh my God. (laughs) He was born in a village on the island of Gaunt. He displays great power while still a boy and joins the school of wizardry, where his prickly nature drives him into conflict with one of his fellows. During a magical duel, Ged's spell goes awry and releases a shadow creature that attacks him. The novel follows his journey as he seeks to be free of the creature. Okay, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna say it. Maybe J.K. Rowling stole some stuff. Yeah. Sounds like it. But also, listen, for a second, hold on. I don't want anyone to think that I'm standing up for J.K. Rowling. But also, is there any, is there an original story anymore? Like, now maybe not, but probably when Ursula was writing that. Yes, oh, for sure, yeah, for sure. She's right. So it turns out that it's Susie. Um, On IMDb it said, in the scene where Susie picks up the ham radio, you can see Dustin's red, white, and blue hat from the first two seasons on her nightstand. Aww. Hence why you didn't see him wear it at all in season three. Okay, that's really cute. Because he gave it to her. That's very cute. Um, So he says, Susie, do you copy? And hey, that's what I said in the first episode. That's the Mm -hmm. name of the first episode. So why didn't she answer before in the first episode? Everyone thought he was lying. Right? Okay, literally she was like, you didn't call me. I'm like, he did call you? You just didn't answer? Like, first of all, she has the audacity to be like, you didn't call me, and I'm going to force you to do this. When, she, like, he put in the work. Mm-hmm. He called you before you even set yours up, Susie. Oh, mm-hmm. he built an entire radio. Mm-hmm. And so she calls him Dusty Bun, and he calls her Susie Poo. Gotta go. Yeah, um... I have to leave. Susie Poo, I get. Where the hell did Dusty Bun come from? Well, there is... Dustin is his name. Yes. So that's, so that's the dusty, dusty, but where the bun? Okay, so there's this episode of the X-Files. Okay. <laughs> Mulder and Scully have to quite literally 
pretend to be married. Mm-hmm. It's the it's a classic trope. It's okay. so good. And at one point, they are talking to who turns out the guy who turns out to be the bad guy, and he the guy's asking like how they slept, and he said, you know, we were so tired, we just fell in bed and curled up like little baby cats. Isn't that right, honey bun? And Scully goes, that's right, poopy head. About <laughs> <laughs> that every time I hear Susie poop. That's right, poopy head. That's what it is. No, maybe it's a... Like, I'm going to say that that's a... That's <laughs> I'm, a reference. I'm, I'm fine with that. Because I was like, bun. Like, what pet name ends with bun? Honey and if bun. it's honey bun, then okay, we've got honey it. Bun. No, 100%. That, I'm going to say that's a reference. Thank you. I love it. So, yeah. The true the true superior Arcadia mm. is the name of that episode. The true superior Arcadia? No, it's called Arcadia. Oh, I was like, <laughs> that's a weird title. That would be a weird title. Yeah. I never had a talk. Good thing I'm not on a podcast. (laughs) So she's like, hey, why haven't you talked to me yet? And he's like, uh, like he's been busy saving the actual world, but go off, I guess. Also, he called you. Yeah. Then, uh, she hears Erica in the background and is jealous. I have beef with this 12 year old. (laughs) So he tells her to shift frequency, like I said. So, so basically nobody had, had heard them except for Erica up until that point. And now that they've shift frequencies, now everybody can hear them. Do you want to talk about how he could have easily said my friend's little sister? Yeah. Just could have But she'd be like, well, why is she there when we're having a private conversation? Fair enough. I'm like, why couldn't he have just gotten Plank's constant from her and then put it on and then told everybody? But I guess maybe he couldn't remember it. I don't know. So the monster is following the car and everyone can hear Dustin's conversation. Um, This is hilarious. Uh, Uh, Yeah, this is comedy gold. This is a very welcome, as angry as Susie makes me, this is a very welcome... Respite. Respite from the terror and horror of the rest of the episode. Yeah. So true. Because as they're singing this song, you just get to see everyone else's confused faces, which is great. Mm-hmm. And also, like, Stephen Robin in the back of that car, in which you can genuinely see the actual monster following them, but they're just listening to Dustin and his girlfriend sing the never-ending story theme song. I, it, it's great. It's comedy gold. Is it cringe? Yes. But it's supposed to be. Yeah. And it's so funny and it's what sets it apart. And it is what reminds you that this isn't a show that's meant just for adults. Mm -hmm. Like it can have some levity. Yeah. And this is one of those moments of levity where it's like, oh, right. This is a show about kids. Yeah. They've got like split screens and everything. It's ridiculous. It's it's kind of fun. Mm -hmm. I hate it, but it's fun. (laughs) So she's mad that he hasn't talked to her in a week. And so he told her that he needs this information to save the world. But I guess he needs to be even more dire about it. Like, what else could he possibly have said to be like, no, you stupid bitch. <laughs> to be fair, Dustin is a deeply dramatic child. Yeah, just and talk to save me. the world when she was like, well, they're about to save the world in my book. Yeah. I think those have equal weight to that relationship. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, that's, yeah. So she's like, well, you can make it up to me by singing with me. And he, like, he doesn't want to do it and she's going to leave because he won't do it. Um, this is so embarrassing. She it's has- in front of everybody. I'm just like, why, why didn't you shift after? She has such theater kid energy. Mm-hmm. Try and tell me I'm wrong. I won't. You can't. So they sing the never-ending... Th- th- the never-ending Thory. Thory theme song uh, together. On I think the Stranger Things wiki, it said, originally the Dustin and Susie duet song was The Ent and the Entwife from The Lord of the Rings. But, oh. it, but that came out in 1997, so they had to straight to change it to the never-ending story theme song. 1997? That's what it said. I mean, like, if it was from... Like the- Peter Jackson's? That can't be right. If it was from the book, then that came out way long time ago. I don't know. That's just what it said on the thing. That the song came out in 1997. I guess. I don't know. That's just what it said on the wiki. I don't know enough about Lord of the Rings to participate in this conversation. Yeah, me <laughs> 
So he's doing this in front of everybody, and Gaten has been on Broadway, so it's okay. Oh, good for him. <laughs> he's doing it. That's very um, cool. Yeah, Gaten played Gavroche in Les Mis, and Caleb played Simba in The Lion King. That's what? amazing. Yeah. These so when kids we get, are so talented. So when we see Caleb singing later in the in the flash forward, in the time jump, yeah. uh, it's because he's like, I would like to also sing. He's like, hello, excuse me. Mm-hmm. At, at all of our roots, we are theater children. Yeah. And so everyone is like so done with this, but like I said, it's nice to have like a nice moment to all of this scary stuff. But everyone's confused looks are great. So she says the number, they put it in, it's right, they get the suitcase, and they, Susie and Dustin just start saying that they miss each other over and over again, and Erica's like, that's enough of that, and turns it off. And <laughs> I said thank you. They're I support every Erica. teenage couple that you be annoyed with. Yeah. So Billy is getting out of the car, coughing, it's on fire, he sees Max, Eleven, and Mike, and they run away again. So I guess Nancy and everybody else just like left Mike? Yeah, that was my question as well, is why did all of these groups split up, and why did they split up the way they did? I guess they just needed to get away from Billy, and that's just what they did. Like, I, oh, actually, I do have a reason for this, is that I think that they were trying to uh, lure the monster away. multiple targets. Yeah, they were trying to Mm. lure the monster away from Eleven. Yeah. And once Billy sees that Eleven is here, the mo- that's when the monster turns around. Right, 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 right. Um, we got this. We got this. Yeah. We can figure things out. So Max tries to close the little gate thing so that Billy can't get through, but he gets through it. Jopper goes to turn off the thing. Lots of scared Russians. Hopper shoots through the room to tell them to get out, and they do. Bye-bye. Was, I, like, I know it wasn't the most efficient way to do it, but it was hysterical. Yeah. Yeah. So they're like, okay, it's time to end this. Both of the keys are in there. They're ready to do it. We see Mike, Max, and Elle hiding, but Billy is following them. Max tries to get him to stop telling him, like, you don't have to do this. She tries to get him to wake up, um, tells him his name and his address, but he won't wake up and he, like, hits her across the face. It's very sweet and very sad because mm-hmm. the thing that wakes him up has nothing to do with her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, like, that's just kind of always going to be the case of, like, Billy never really loved her, mm. but she loved him despite everything. Yeah. 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 Oof. Oof, that's sad. Mm -hmm. So Mike also tries to help, but he hurts him too, and then Eleven. So everybody's knocked out. He takes Eleven on his shoulder and walks away, and you're like, yikes, how are we gonna... How are we gonna turn it around from this? Boy, how are we gonna get out of this one? Yeah. We're in it now. Oh, man, we're in it now. (laughs) That, like, Jason meme from The Good Place. (laughs) Oh, yeah. So Murray's ready, but there are Russians down here that are trying to hurt him, so it'd be great if you, like, made that stop. Uh, Hopper says that he'll help. They both put in the keys. They're going to turn them, but then Grigori shows up and attacks them both. Grigori? I'm just going to say it. Little bitch. He's the worst, and I felt nothing but joy seeing him get splatted across the machine in this episode. There is something very satisfying about seeing a villain just eat absolute shit. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm allowed to swear on this podcast one, right? Uh, You can say everything but the F word. Cool. That's what I thought. Mm -hmm. So Grigori tries to, like, radio for backup, but Hopper isn't, like, knocked out, and so he attacks him back. Billy takes Eleven through the mall, and the flickering of the lights is insane, because, like, it's not just, oh, it's in the upside-down spoopy things are happening. Like, it's here. It's it's there, and it's near Elle. Mm -hmm. So Billy goes over her and, like, tells her, like, all the creepy shit he said to all those other people. It's weird. I don't know how this man has stands. (laughs) It's definitely weird. I feel like if I was... The actor, and that's me as an adult person and not Millie, if I was the actor who who had to play, like, Eleven or whatever, Mm -hmm. knowing that this wasn't, like, real, nothing bad was actually happening to me, I'm just acting and stuff, Mm -hmm. I, like, my brain would be like, okay, all the things you're saying is weird, but this man is so close to me. (laughs) (laughs) I would, I would not be able to not laugh. Yeah. 
I guess that's why I don't get paid to be an actor. I guess so. <laughs> I was literally saying, like, watching this episode, and honestly, all of this season in particular, I think, more than the first season, in my opinion, Billy is terrible. Mm-hmm. What? Like, like that's an objective fact in both seasons that he's in. Billy sucks, but Dacre is very handsome. <laughs> I... I think I'm just too gay to see it. <laughs> Maybe you are. My brain has a capacity for like one dude, two at most. I look at him, I'm like, I don't get it. You know who I get? Jason Momoa. I don't get Dacre. I also have, specifically for me, something that I find attractive is the 80s aesthetic. Mm. That like, makes a lot of especially sense. Especially on men. Like, women are attractive all the time, but men are more attractive in the 80s than they are during other times. I have great news about your favorite movies. I know. Exactly. That's my, what I'm saying. I'm like, that, that, you know what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. My I can thing see it. about Dacre is that, like, I know that Billy would smell bad, but, like, I bet Dacre smells no, so Dacre's good. Smells, I actually, I'm gonna give you that yeah. because I think that's right. <laughs> yeah, I bet he smells so good. They just make him look gross and sweaty, you know? Listen, yeah. I don't know about that. He seems like the kind of asshole who's, like, so into his appearance that he is, like, aware of, like, cologne and stuff, like, he probably smells, oh, Billy? smells no, like too much. Right now, he probably smells bad, though. Oh, sure. For in this episode. Yeah. yeah. Like, Billy. No, yeah. Like, just, like, as a person in general or in this episode? Billy or Dacre? Billy. Billy, definitely. Billy definitely smells bad basically this whole season, except for when he's going on that date with Karen. See, I don't think, I don't think that's true. You, you think that he smells good even when he's, like, possessed? I think that- No, when he's not possessed. I'm saying, like, when he's, like, a normal person not possessed by a machine and is capable of his own personal hygiene, that I think he takes care of his own personal hygiene Mm. because he's so obsessed with getting laid, and, Mm. like, if he smells bad, he's not getting laid. Right, yes. I was saying specifically in this episode, he smells terrible because he's gross and sweaty. Yes, absolutely. But also, do you think that Billy's the type of person to be like, my own natural musk is hot enough, I don't need to do anything? No. You think you think he's like I understand I, the 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 amount of like whining and dining that we see him do with with like specifically with Karen but like in general mm-hmm. around women yeah I think he is very bought into the idea of like what is sexy in a man in the eighties mm-hmm. and he's like about his personal and remember this was a generation where cologne was very important yeah mm-hmm. like this cologne the is stronger like, the cologne geez. was yeah the better it was. That has, like, I feel like it hit its peak in the early 2000s like, with like, body spray. But, uh, for sure. Like, it hit the peak with that and then, like, fell abruptly, now, I think. Now everyone's about, oh, my natural musk is enough. And I'm like, no, <laughs> it's not. <laughs> but, like, d- does this resonate with your mom as well? But That, like, th- they go a little bit crazy when... Like, their partner wears cologne? My mom goes ape shit when yeah. she wears cologne! My yeah. mom used to do the same thing. Yeah, it's and it, it's it's so funny to me because she, like, insists he wear cologne. I mean, Dale calls it the stinky stuff, so it definitely <laughs> takes a lot of the, you know, mystique out of it. <laughs> but, um, yeah, my mom is obsessed with that. Like, that whole generation, like, the scent of a yeah. person. Yeah, yeah. And that was never, like, much of a thing for me. As long as someone had nice-smelling shampoo, I was like, mm-hmm. Yeah, like, as long as you, like, were hygienic and, like, mm-hmm. smelled not bad. As long as you then, didn't smell like a butt. I truly but, love like, this conversation based on, like, which characters smell good and which characters smell bad. And I genuinely think that we should have a Patreon-only podcast episode about, like, which <laughs> characters we think smell good and smell bad. 
Thank you. But also, uh, Murray stinks, by the way. Oh, yeah, Murray Jonathan is absolutely a bitch. Jonathan! Jonathan's right! No, 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 no. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Jonathan, Jonathan has B.O. all no, the time. Shut up, shut up, shut up. Jonathan has... Jonathan smells bad. Of course. And to compensate for this, he buys the cheapest cologne he can find that smells like skunk. I know, and all you need to do is shower more. Nancy, come on. Jonathan buys, I know Steve smells good. Jonathan buys cheap cologne to smell good, but he, like, forgets to wear deodorant. Like, it's not that he doesn't... He actively doesn't wear deodorant on purpose. He forgets. And yes. it has nothing to do with whether or not he can afford that cologne. Yes. And everything to do with his taste. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's going to be like the cheap macho cologne that, like, people spray on you at the department store. Right. And <laughs> it's and- such a lost conversation because, like, <laughs> no, I know. that thing, that era is gone. Mm-hmm. But also, I, I want to say something that maybe is controversial. Hopper only smells good 50% of the That's time. That's correct. I would no, agree with that. I Hopper, would agree with that. Hopper has the dad bod, and he mm-hmm. has the sexiness of the dad bod, but he also is gross. Yeah. He he also, like, does things that, like, require physical labor. Yeah. And he also does not seem like the kind of person to put on cologne outside of a date night. Yes. And, and it's so, gross cologne when he puts it on outside of a date night. He, does, I think he doesn't I, put it on at all outside of a date yeah, night. Yeah, I think it's tacky cologne when he puts it outside on a date night. Oh, so you're saying when he puts on it on at a date night, it's tacky. I think. Mm, I would say it's, like middle of the road. Maybe I like would a say, too I would strong? say it doesn't smell as good as whatever Billy's got on. Yeah. Well, I it, bet that smells it, so good. But it smells so much better than whatever Jonathan has got. Yeah. Yeah. Like it doesn't smell like pee. Right. Yeah. I feel bad. <laughs> <laughs> but like I, I just know, I know that Nancy bought a bottle of Chanel number no. 5 and, and tried to also wear Chanel mm-hmm. number no. 5. Absolutely. I think that Nancy for Christmas has gotten Jonathan cologne and he hasn't worn it. Oh! <gasps> I just like I think you guys. Right. Yeah, I, I think, think that's right. And I just know that Steve smells good because he has the same like thing he as, has as the same, Billy. Steve yes. has a nice fresh cologne. He used to wear mm-hmm. obnoxious cologne. Like, and like, then Dustin one day was like, "Bro, you gotta cut that shit out. It smells bad." Like, like Steve wears something like fresh and like slightly light in in tone but like still smells really really good and billy is like specifically that like sexy musky like yeah. type of scent yeah yeah yeah, yeah. That, i like, love that scent that we buy in candles yes yeah yeah <laughs> but that's why it hurts my feelings so much nancy it's not that i want her to be with steve because i think that's toxic but i just like the type of downgrade in so many different ways from steve to jonathan hurts me my hatred of Jonathan is so irrational, and then he does something that's annoying, and I'm like, I'm justified in this hatred. Like, no, I'm not. I'm never justified in it. <laughs> and I'm not even saying that that it's a downgrade because anything to do with, like, Jonathan's personality no, Steve or- Steve the even, man. It's just that, like, I know that Steve smells good, and I know yeah. that Jonathan doesn't smell good. Yeah. How can you- Steve- How can you sleep in that man's bed? I think that <laughs> his bed smells bad! I She's think- gone nose blind! Oh, <laughs> In high school, Steve was like an Axe body spray guy. Like, mm-hmm. he used too much of it. He thought he was hot shit. But sure. everyone around him also thought he was hot shit, so they loved the smell. Mm-hmm. But, like, since graduating, he got, like, a reality check, and he's like, wait a minute. Exactly. Yeah. And he, like, exactly. toned it in and, like, honed it to, a, like, a, a perfection. Like, by the time he gets to the video store, he has two brutally honest friends, which is Robin and Dustin. There's no way that man has bad smelling cologne. Oh, yeah. exactly. And I know that he's also going to advise Dustin on this when Dustin starts wearing cologne to attract girls. In other news, For Keith sure. smells great. Just kidding. No! <laughs> My god. Keith smells exactly like Jonathan smells. Yeah. Oh, for sure. No! I think Keith smells like chips. <laughs> okay. Like, okay. not bad, but kind okay. of always okay. vaguely smells okay. like chips. Jonathan smells like B.O. and cheap cologne. 
Keith smells like B.O. and snacks. Yeah, which I would prefer. Oh, if for I had sure. To choose between the yeah, two. I, if I had to choose between shitty cologne and and Cheetos, I would choose Cheetos. Because at least then you get to smell Cheetos. Exactly. This is a deeply <laughs> stupid conversation. I'm de- I think this is great. I think people will enjoy it, and I think we need to do Patreon only podcast <laughs> episodes about this. Just like smells. Just go through each of the shows we talk. Hey, about. welcome to Oakley. Like, here's what. Uh, here's all the smells we think our favorite characters smell like. Yeah, but no. also like things like that. Yeah. I like this. Norma Bates smells like flowers. Yes. I know this to be true. And you can get the rest on Oakley. (laughs) Join our Patreon, $10 tier. So Billy goes and tells her creepy stuff. Uh, The monster is here, wants to take over Eleven because she's so powerful and it can use her. So I guess she would get her powers back if... uh, if the monster took her over, or else why would the monster have taken her powers? If, it, if that's what <sighs> happened. Unfortunately, I'm only thinking about sense now, so uh, mm-hmm. I'll be out for the rest of the podcast. Okay. <laughs> I I still don't think the monster took her powers. Yeah. I also don't think that. I don't think the monster has that kind of power. Ability. Wish that I would stop saying the word I power. think that they both... I feel like there's something to the concept of them both deriving their powers from the same source, mm-hmm. maybe? Do you think that her losing her powers is psychosomatic? And if the monster took her over, because for some reason it seems to still think that she's powerful enough to take over, that she would have gotten it back because it wouldn't be her mind anymore. Okay, I got this. I got this. Science fiction wise, it being tied to the upside down is interesting. I think narratively for a young adult adventure TV series set in the 80s, it's psychosomatic. Mm -hmm. Because that's more interesting for for her character specifically. Mm -hmm. She has to overcome her own psychological block in order to use her powers. That's rich character story. And this show has never been really heavy on sticking to the rules of its own fantasy nature. Mm -hmm. And that's my opinion. Okay. Yes. I think you're right. Thank you. So it's weird tongue almost gets her, so that's gross. Uh, And then Lucas and everybody starts throwing fireworks at it. And uh, this was Lucas's plan, and it's working. It's not working, like, to kill it, but it's definitely stalling it, which is what they need. Distracting it enough and, like, attacking it from enough enough different uh, angles and, like, perspectives that it's, like, not able to hurt any of them, Mm -hmm. like, seriously, which is what they need. I'm telling you, Lucas is underrated as a member of the team. He's yeah. really smart. Oh, he absolutely. Really People sleep on how smart Lucas is because mm-hmm. he's also an idiot. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So what, I believe this was on the wiki, it said, according to visual effects supervisor Paul Graff, the Duffer Brothers originally planned to have the Mind Flayers invasion at the fun fair rather than <gasps> at Starcourt Mall. Oh, interesting. So many more people would be dead. Yeah. The sequence would have been inspired by films like Godzilla and Jurassic Park. However, considering the amount of work the VFX team had to do, they decided it was more logical to shift the sequence to the mall. That's it, fair. It, I like the aesthetic of the mall. It mm-hmm. pulls at the nostalgia in me. It and also, like, it. the mall, I think, was a bigger part of the season yeah. than the fun fair. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I also think, like you said, Sam, like, people, there'd be so many people there, so they'd also, like, the VFX team would also have to worry about that and everything. Mm-hmm. And to Whereas be honest, here it's empty. It's Netflix was never going to pay for that. Yeah. And, like, the VFX, we were talking about it when we were watching last night. The visual effects in this episode are incredible. Yeah. So, like, whatever choice they had to make to keep that quality, I'm glad they did it. I'm surprised that they won the Emmy for sound rather than for visuals, to be honest. They really should win it. Yeah. So we go back to Hopper and Gregory. They're pretty evenly matched, to be honest. Um, they're out near the laser now. Billy feels every firework on the monster because they're a hive mind. And just, God, it's pretty. The pretty it's lights. Gorgeous. I love it. 
We were literally commenting when we were watching it yesterday how nice it is to be able to actually see the action. Mm-hmm. Because so much of television hides these sort of things in the dark yeah. for budget reasons, I'm mm-hmm. guessing, because uh, then you can't see how bad it looks. I think you can see everything here. I, like, I just, building on what Brittany said about, like, most shows, like, just hiding everything, it's really refreshing to see it so bright and, like, the colors that they use because they're oh, using, so pretty. like, science fiction stuff and, like, in the... Fireworks. They're using sci-fi stuff in the Jopper scene and then fireworks in the um, kids scene. And so, like, all of the different colors in both of those scenes are, like, really beautiful and, like... Speak to me who never moved past the oversaturation era of, yeah. like, graphics making. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so thank you. Yeah, so true, I also, my, all of my gifts are plus 20 saturation. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so Elle tries to get away, but Billy pulls her back. Joyce wakes up and sees them fighting. Hopper gets Gregory on the ground, but then his head almost gets crushed in the laser. Oop. Um, they're almost out of fireworks. Dustin tells them to close it. And if I was Joyce, I'd be like, as if I'm not trying. I'm doing close my it. best. Close it. We are. Yeah. You weird little man. Um, <laughs> but Joyce can't do it alone. Um, she's able to put in both keys, but she can't reach them just with her arms, which is why they, they're supposed to be two people to do it. Correct. Um, because like in the Russian's mind, you don't want somebody to just like make the decision and be able to do it. You want there to be at least two people who have decided upon yeah. this. And you would think that if they were able to get into the safe, that these would be people of authority who would have jurisdiction to do this. Yeah, it's, it's a like a trope. It's like a nuclear codes fail safe kind of thing. Yeah. So Max wakes up Mike. They don't know where Elle is. Elle remembers everything she's learned about Billy and she tries to remind him of his memory, tells him that he was happy then, and she reaches up to touch his face. This takes up a lot of time, actually. Yes, there's it does. really, you know, it's really not that like it's beautiful, but it's not It's not, not that much necessary. Time. Hopper's head is almost chopped off by the laser, but then he pulls Gregory's face toward him, which pulls his face into the chopping thing. It's genius. It's he's violent. Throws him into the mechanical part of the laser. It's amazing. And he's dead. He's gone. And they're, and they're also shutting down the laser in the same way. Good riddance, you absolute cretin. Dick. Yeah. So they're out of fireworks. Billy gets up. Max and Mike finally get out there. And then Billy decides, because of what Eleven told him, to stop the weird tongue from and the tentacle from attacking Eleven. It's very cool. It's it's his one redemption moment. Mm-hmm. I don't think it redeems him entirely yeah. as a character, but it, you know, credit where credit is due. Yeah, he gets hit by a bunch of other ones, and yeah, exactly like you said, this is great, but he is not completely redeemed, just to be clear, because, you know, I, I know that he probably thinks that he's, once Eleven gets taken, he's, like, doomed for death anyway, because exactly. he's taken over by this thing, and, like, it's great that he helps save her. It's a great send-off to, the, to a character, Mm-hmm. Um, but that does this does not mean that Billy is a good person. Yeah, absolutely. So Dustin once again screams to close the gate as if we're not trying to do that. Dustin, um, <laughs> everyone is super busy trying to do exactly that, buddy. Meanwhile, Dustin just hooting and hollering. Hooting and hollering. Yeah. Hopper turns around, we get the classic Stranger Things music. Billy gets stabbed in the chest and Max screams for him. And on IMDb, it said, The death of Billy marks the third season in a row where a character whose name begins with B is killed. Oh, heck. Following Barb in season one and Bob in season two. So note to self, don't appear on Stranger Things. So now, no, (laughs) now every time a character is introduced and their name starts with B, we're going to be like, oh, you're marked for death. Yeah, I don't remember the characters' names of like the new actors that are coming in, Mm -mm. but I'm going to be paying attention for that. Yeah. (laughs) 
Uh, and that's part two. So um, before we move on to part three, I'm going to talk to you about Patreon. It's a service in which you can donate to some of your favorite creators. We have a Patreon. It's patreon.com slash theaficionados and our donations are monthly. They start at $1 a month. You get early access to all of the podcasts. And I know what you're thinking, Stranger Things is over. Um, but we do have a whole bunch of other podcasts for you to check out. The $2 level gets you access to our Discord server, like I was mentioning earlier. We have lots of fun over there. And that's where the first place I look for thoughts from listeners. And we are in there too, if you want to chat. The $5 level gets you 10% off at shoppylux.com, which is where me and Brittany sell some really cool stuff. I have a couple of Stranger Things themed things in my shop and uh, would love for you to check that out. So you should do that. Um, <laughs> the $10 level is my personal favorite. Uh, we mentioned earlier, we have a Patreon only podcast. It's called Okay Love You Hi. Uh, we talk bi-weekly for about 45 to 50 minutes about just kind of whatever we want, whatever themes we can think of and that other people suggest to us. And uh, you should definitely check that out because apparently we are going to be doing one on how uh, people smell, uh, which I'm really excited about, to be honest. Uh, I had a great time just chatting about that with you guys. Um, if you can't do Patreon, check out choppylux.com. If you can't do that, recommend us to a friend. We'd really appreciate that. Now that we're all caught up, all of your Stranger Things loving friends definitely want to come and listen to this podcast. Um, or maybe do all three of those things. That would be great. Plus, we'll be back for season four. Exactly. We will eventually. Yeah. And Sam did the summary for part three. Yes, I did. Because she loves pain. <laughs> Suffering. It's funny because she does. Listen, I think that all the sweet, delicious moments in narratives are heightened and sweeter for the angst. You're correct. (laughs) If I didn't cry first, I wouldn't be crying even harder when the thing I want happens. Yeah. You know, that being said, I was so angry the first time I watched this that I didn't cry because I was so upset. And I cry every time. (laughs) All right, here we go. After killing Grigori, there is, like, a whole wall of electricity preventing Hopper from returning to Joyce. They both know what she has to do, and he smiles at her to let her know that it's okay. Joyce cries as she pulls both keys, destroying the machine and everyone left in the room. In the food court, the mind flayer collapses once the gate to the Upside Down has been closed. When Joyce opens her eyes downstairs, Hopper is no nowhere to be found. Max comes to Billy's side, begging him to be okay. He uses his last breath to tell her that he's sorry, and Eleven hold her, holds her while she cries. Joyce goes down by the machine to look for Hopper, but there's nothing there. She sobs when Murray comes to find her, telling him that Hopper's gone, basically. They flee the facility, and outside we see that Owens has finally brought in the military, just a little bit too late. Thanks a lot, dingus. The, the soldiers raid the facility, but it seems like all the Russians are gone, basically. Joyce reunites tearfully with Will. Over his shoulder, she makes eye contact with Eleven, who is clearly looking for Hopper. Eleven understands from Joyce that he didn't make it, and everyone cries. Except for Sam. Except for me, yeah. (laughs) Three months later, a breaking news bulletin plays, telling us what the public knows about the Battle of Starcourt. The news says that Starcourt was a tragic fire accident where 30 people died, including Hopper. But they also question conspiracy theories about what really happened, and they sort of indicate that something more sinister is surrounding all the tragedies that have come to Hawkins in the last handful of years. Tune in for Horror in the Heartland tonight on Cutting Edge to find out more. Uh, When we get out of the news bulletin, uh, Steve and Robin are searching for new jobs since the mall burned down, basically, and they go apply at Family Video next to the arcade. Keith demands to know their three favorite movies, and Robin lists some highbrow stuff, and Steve's like, I Animal House? And (laughs) Robin is immediately accepted and Steve is rejected. But Robin uh, makes a pitch for why Steve should be hired. He's 
a hot dude who brings in hot ladies. And there's going to be so many hot ladies that Steve can't handle it, Keith. And uh, Keith's like, hey, what's in it for you? You have a crush on him? And she's like, no, I'm also here for the hot ladies, you buffoon. <laughs> At the buyer's house, Lucas and Max are dunking on Dustin by singing the never-ending story theme <laughs> at so, top volume and so and they're right for that will puts his D kit in the donation box and he says that he'll just use mike's when he comes to visit mike asks what if he wants to join another party and will says not possible nancy and jonathan look at jonathan's empty room and cry about having to be separated from each other she tries to convince him not to go and they bond over their shared trauma eleven packs up what is clearly or what's clearly been her room for the past three months and tries to use her powers when she can't reach a teddy bear in the closet. They still don't work. Mike assures her that they'll come back, though, and they talk about getting together for Thanksgiving and Christmas. It's sweet and dorky, which, like, their relationship could use a lot more of. Eleven brings up the day that he said he loved her and tells him that she loves him, too, and then she kisses him. Joyce is packing up her things along with uh, stuff that was clearly Hopper's that was brought over from the cabin. She finds the speech that he never gave to Eleven and Mike folded up in his uniform pocket and Eleven asks if she can read it. The note is extremely emotional and mature and it plays over a montage of everyone saying goodbye and driving away in the U-Haul mixed with a flashback of when Hopper initially wrote it. He talks about wanting to create an environment where everyone feels comfortable sharing their feelings and then he goes into how he'd been in the dark for so long forgetting what it felt like to have feelings. He says that Eleven coming into his life is what made him start to feel again. He misses the little things that they used to do but he also understands that she's growing up. He tells her that that's what scares him because he's scared of things changing. But then he goes into how life is full of feelings and that are like complex and sad but also happy. Uh, he encourages Elle to keep growing up and to feel all the feelings that life has to offer for her. But please just keep the door open three inches for your dear old dad. Oh, oh, yeah. And that's when we all, that that's when me. we all cry. We come back to the moment when everyone uh, leaves the buyer's house as the letter finishes and we see Joyce close the door on Castle Byers for the final time. In the middle of the credits, we cut to a cold Russian prison in the middle of the night and some guards, like, haul a prisoner out, skipping the first door that they approach, saying, no, no, not the American. They take the Russian prisoner down several flights of stairs as he begs them not to do whatever they're about to do and they toss him in a cage and unleash a demogorgon on him. The end. The end. For many years. (laughs) For so long. So, going back into the most heartbreaking part, um, Joyce doesn't want to literally murder Hopper, but Hopper smiles at her to end it. Um, and she does it. She turns them. The stakes are high, so she has to do it. It's destroyed, and it kills all the Russians there. They're straight up disintegrated, like we saw at the beginning of the season. I have no idea how Hop survives that, because then, like... She looks up, like, seconds later and he's gone. So I have no idea how how they're going to make that make sense. And I don't know if they're going to explain it. I think he was pulled into the gate. I don't think he's even pulled into the gate. I think he runs into the gate. Oh. That's been my theory for years. Interesting. I can see that. That makes total sense and he would know. He's been there before. There's literally a specific shot, like, right before it explodes or, like, as it's exploding or something on the, like gap like sealing up itself like slowly like closing in and it feels very pointed to me when I watch so my understanding is that Hop gives that look to Joyce thinks that he's going to die looks around and like he can't go back to Joyce Mm -hmm. the only way he can go is through the gate yeah and like Hop's like he has reasons to live like he has Eleven and Joyce that he, like, wants to live for. Yeah, he doesn't want to go. And so, like, it makes sense to me that he would try that as an option. Yeah. 
Yeah, that makes total sense. So the gate closes, the monster freaks out and dies, um, and you're like, hey, it's over until next season. But then Joyce just feels real bad and sad about it. Oh, it's devastating because, you know, he was like the thing that had convinced her to stay in Hawkins yeah. after like enduring so much tragedy there in the last two years. Yeah. And then losing him is the thing that convinced her to leave. Yeah. And it was Bob's idea for them to leave in the first place. Yeah. Um, Mike runs to L. Max goes to Billy and like tells him to get up and he apologizes and dies. I know that he sucks, but I completely understand why she's upset. Oh, like, for she sure. Like she fully grew up with him. Yeah. And then later in part of the montage where you can just see her sitting alone in her like empty house. I think she's sitting in his room. Yeah. It's uh, it's sad. Yeah. You know? Are, are her parents still alive or did they get eaten? I think they're still alive. Okay. I think they're still alive. We don't see them get eaten. We don't okay. see them at all this season. Yeah. Which is probably for the best because I don't like them. Yeah. So Joyce goes through the wreckage. Nothing is left. She cries. Murray shows up asking where he is and they have to run. Dustin and Erica see all the helicopters come and it's the people that Jim called for. So it's like as soon as he dies, mm-hmm. here are his... Uh, his rescuers. Mm-hmm. Sure. So then we see Owens, and I'm like, tell Owens that I love him. I said, thank you. So they go into the mall, and Murray and Choice are saved, and they're like, no, we're Americans. Please do not actively shoot us. And the people search everything, but they don't find any survivors, it looks like. Everybody's gone. I think the implication is that they all got out, because, like, that's, they're basically evacuating. Yeah. It's just weird, because then on the, like, breaking news thing, it's just like, 30 people are killed, including Hopper. And I'm like, are you talking about the Russians? Or, like, who are you talking about? Is this supposed to, like, make sense for the people who died in the hospital, which I'm never going to stop talking about? Like, I think it's supposed to be the people who... Oh, that like, got, the, got eaten the Mind Flayer people. Oh. Yeah. <gasps> the Flayed. Because, oh my god, hold on. Because, like, the monster dies in the mall. And, and that's like sees its body. That's all of their bodies is what made it up. Right, and it's the, and it's the government who, like, goes in and, and sees it, so, like, they can, like say who all the people are, mm-hmm. you know, it's not that the Mind Flayer, like, went back into each person's body, you know? Right. I wonder how they knew who all the people were, though. I guess, like, probably anyone who had gone missing that night. Yeah. So the mall's on fire. The fire department is called. Soldiers escort Joyce and Murray back out. Joyce searches for her children. Will runs to her. Poor Jonathan is just hanging out. She sees Eleven looking for Hopper, and they make eye contact, and she, like, silently tells her, and then Eleven cries. It's sad. It's really freaking sad. So three months later, breaking news. It is a news broadcast about the mall. We see newspapers and the first thing says, Scandal rocks, small town, 30 dead, hero chief dies in fire. And I love reading this sort of stuff. Um, oh, are you reading all the details? Yeah. So Callahan, um, which is, so so he has those two guys, Callahan and Powell. And Callahan's the stupid one. Uh-huh. And he was quoted as, he was a good man. He will be greatly missed. There's no doubt in my mind that he was doing the right thing and attempting to save someone in that fire. To me, mm. he, and then it gets cut off. And I'm like, this is such a nice thing from such a bonehead. <laughs> That's a nice thing. Yeah. Hippos have feelings, too. Mm -hmm. So it also said, citizens demand justice, mysterious deaths, Barb and Bob. Who took that picture of Bob? It is so goofy. It makes me laugh. I think very cute. I think that's a picture Bob had someone take of him professionally while working at Radio Shack. Yeah. And and that he was delighted 
about it. Yeah, and it was up as Employee of the Month, and they just kept it up there since yes. he died. They talk about government corruption. It said small town reeling after alleged cover-up. Um, I like that we're talking about it finally. But like I said, what about those people in the hospital? Because I'm never going to shut up about that. Chemical leak? Conspiracy. Hawkins makes headlines around the nation. Mayor under fire. Sparks ignite a statewide scandal starting in small town Hawkins, Indiana, where a mall, a mayor, and a power supply were turned upside down. Which is funny because upside down. I see what you did. Uh, <laughs> also, don't we see Klein getting arrested in, yes, this, in yeah. this teaser? And then welcome to Hawkins signs says welcome to hell. And then they say some blame arise in Satanism and they show D&D books. I'm like, oh my god, satanic panic. Mm-hmm. This is my bread and butter. I love it. Exactly. So on on IMDb it said, if the news clip after the three month flash forward mentioned satanic practices while showing the game Dungeons and Dragons, the 80s were a time of satanic panic where some people thought games like Dungeons and Dragons and heavy metal bands were linked to teenagers worshipping Satan. And then tune in tonight for Horror in the Heartland. So Robin and Steve go to family video. Sam, do you have any experience with this franchise? I sure do. Uh, I worked there for like three years. <laughs> while while we started dating, you were working there, actually. I worked there for so... I, I worked there for three years. And believe it or not, I was not alive in the 80s. What? Wow. This is a thing that made it to 2015. That's amazing. Yeah. It was all DVDs, though. Yeah, it was all DVDs. Yeah. Like, uh, by by then, it was all DVDs. Mm-hmm. I did not work in the VHS industry. Yeah. I remember VHSs, but I'm ancient. <laughs> <laughs> oh, me too. Yeah. And I'm not even ancient, so. Do you remember Blockbuster Video? Yes. I feel like we are the last generation that will ever remember Blockbuster Video. Yeah. And that's sad, because it was a magic. I think place. we're the last generation that will remember video stores. Yeah. Probably. On the wiki, it said series composers Kyle Dixon and Michael Stein make cameo appearances in this episode as patrons at the family video store. I oh, love that. I wonder if this family video is like my family video in that there's an adult room. Probably. I thought you, you know? were going to say, is there a pizza store attached oh, to Oh, there it? was also, no, there's an arcade attached to this one. Why do you guys think Keith, who was like the manager or something at the arcade, moved next door to be like the manager of this? I think the implication is that he works at both. Oh. oh, that makes sense. Honestly, yeah. Keith, respect. Yeah. Do Keith, it then. Keith definitely seems like someone who is like part-time community college and part-time both of these jobs because yeah. he wants money and girls. Yeah. That's also what I want, but I got my girl. So now I just need <laughs> money. Mood. So Steve put his mom down on his resume as a reference. <laughs> Because uh, she's well respected. And you know what? Not much. There's not much known about his parents. So I said, thank you. You know yeah. what? The logic is sound, even if he is an idiot. The The irony of that line, I don't know if irony is the right, right word, but the thing that happens in my brain every time I hear that line is that his mom is Karen. Oh. <laughs> Which is not true. Not no. True. Not true at all. Uh, we've never seen Steve's mom. And it definitely would be an issue that he had sex with Nancy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, that's sort of one of the only, like... I don't know. For some reason, that's what happens in my brain. Interesting. Um, but I, I would be interested in seeing Steve's mom, mm-hmm. since she's so well-respected. I feel like we were supposed to, like, we were kind of, like, told that we were going to get more information on his parents this season, and it just didn't happen. So I'm like, you better do it next season. You better do it. I feel like they cut it. Yeah, probably. On IMDb, there was a fun fact that said, this is the only episode this season where Steve and Robin are A, seen outside the vicinity of Starcourt Mall, and B, are wearing something other than their uniforms. Oh my god, they had to wear those costumes all season. So much easier for the costume department. That's true. Cheaper, too. Yeah. So Keith from season two now works here and not the arcade, although Sam thinks that he works both places. They weren't fired from scoops. The mall burned down. And he goes, 
thanks, I didn't know. But he says it in, like, it's, like, not sarcastic enough that it's I was, so, like... It's deadpan in a way where I'm, like... Did, wait, did you did not you know? know? Did you know, or... And so Robin has to say her three favorite movies. Which are? So her favorite movies, she said, are The Apartment, Hidden Fortress, and Children of Paradise. So I did research. I have heard of the first and last one, mm-hmm. but I've never seen any of them. Gotcha. The Apartment is a 1960 American romantic comedy drama film. The story follows uh, Bud Baxter, an insurance clerk, who, it, who, in the hope of climbing the corporate ladder... Let's more senior co-workers use his Upper West Side apartment to conduct extramarital affairs. <gasps> Bud is attracted to an elevator operator in his office building, but he doesn't know she's having an affair with his immediate boss. Oop. Okay. These, all these people interested. sound awful. The Hidden Fortress is a 1958 Japanese period adventure film. It tells the story of two peasants who agree to escort a man and a woman across enemy lines in return for gold without knowing that he is a general and the woman is a princess. <gasps> okay, cool. that sounds really cool. Children of Paradise is a two-part, 190-minute romantic drama film in France. It's set in the theatrical world of 1830s Paris. It tells the story of a courtesan and four men, a mime, an actor, a criminal, and an aristocrat who love her in entirely different ways. It sounds like Moulin Rouge. I was just about to say that. I'm really impressed that all of her movies are from over 10 years ago. Yeah, I'm like, do you watch anything new? Back but the but then, right there. Well, that's the problem, is that Steve mentions all movies that literally just came out, and yeah. so it's, like, not as respectable, I guess. So Steve says Animal House. So National Lampoon's Animal House is a 1978 American comedy film. The film is about a troublemaking fraternity whose members challenge the authority of the dean of the fictional Faber College. Um, and he's just taking too long to pick, to pick movies. Yeah, the funny thing here is... I've seen every movie that Steve mentions, and, and none of, <laughs> yeah. and none of yeah. Robbins. So then he says Star Wars, and Keith goes, A New Hope? And he goes, um, what? This man has not seen Star He's Wars. He's not seen Star Wars. He saw Star Wars once and was like, that's a film everyone likes, right? He probably he just knows- assumes that Keith would respect that answer. And he knows that, like... The kids have seen Star Wars. Yeah. Um, and so he's like, it's the one with the teddy bears. So, like, at least, and, like, he, at least think, he knows the sound. I think he's seen it, but I don't think he, like, has seen it more than once. Okay. Here, Does that make sense? Here's he why saw this it, is funny. He saw it on a date. Yes. And he oh, sure. made out with somebody. Okay. Here's why the this whole is time. Funny. Yeah. Star Wars fans, back in the day, hated Ewoks. And I know this because my mom loved Ewoks. Mm-hmm. And she was actually, like, the target audience for Star Wars at that time. So she had, like, a little Ewok backpack, and she loved that. But people would be, like, the one with the teddy bears and make fun of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, of course, the Ewoks became adorable and beloved and everyone loves them now. But back in the day, that saying, the one with the teddy bears, mm. no wonder he was disrespected in that gotcha. mm-hmm. So the one that he's talking about is Return of the Jedi. I had to ask Sam. That's it's, correct. It's genuinely, I love Return of the Jedi. Return of the Jedi is my favorite of the original trilogy. Um, and I that, honestly taste. And that came out in 1983. Yes. Um, I was going to get the Wikipedia for it, but I don't think he's actually seen it, so it probably doesn't have a super bearing on his character. Um, if he has seen it, he only saw it once and didn't pay attention, so I, <laughs> I was going to, but if you guys want to talk about it, you can. He just saw cute Ewoks and thought, I yeah. like those, and that's as far as he got. Well, it's, it's just the conclusion to the original trilogy, so it's mm-hmm. basically, like, a lot of action and then, like, sweeping romance, like, throughout as well, and then, like, the, the resolution of... Luke defeating his father and like becoming a good person and saving the Jedi and like mm-hmm. the whole empire and everything. Yeah. It's it's the one with the happy ending. Mm. Uh which is why it's my favorite. <laughs> and why even though 
people hate the reboot movies for reasons that are stupid. I don't like the reboot movies because they're not happy. Yeah. So he chooses Back to the Future as the last one, but I don't think he ever watched it again after he was high that time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, probably. Um, he says it's the one with the DeLorean and Alex P. Keaton and he's trying to bang his mom. <laughs> and he calls these classics, which is... Very funny, because they literally just all just came out, and um, Robins are from over ten years ago. But to me, they're classic. Exactly. This type of scene is exactly where Joe Keery shines. I said, thank you so much. This is exactly who he was always supposed to be, and I love it. So Keith hires Robin, but not Steve, and I can't help but respect him for trying to do a power trip against this popular boy who is mean to him. (laughs) Also because Steve does seem unqualified. Yeah, oh, for sure. And so... Robin asks Steve to walk away, and she tells Keith that he has other qualities. And Keith is like, uh, no, he was a douchebag, and I don't really get why you're friends with him now. And she's like, yeah, he was mean to us in high school. So we're like, okay. So is Keith... Because Keith was working at the arcade last summer, so, like, is Keith in Robin's year? Or is he in Ke- in Steve's year? I think so. Are Steve and Robin not in the same year? No. Robin is a year younger than him. That's one of the reasons why he didn't want to date her. Oh. But they had click class, class together. together. Yeah, and we talked about how it was potentially that he had failed. And oh, so he, or oh, that he was in, like, remedial yeah. math or something. Yeah. Okay. So I don't know which year Keith was in, but either way, he's been working uh, in the summers. Well, no, because last season he was working at the arcade and it was like Halloween time. So he just actively has a lot of jobs. And I, it could have been like also that like he was working after school because the kids were going after school as well. Right, or on like weekends, yeah. yeah. And so I wonder if he was in band, like were they actively friends or like how much did they hang out? I think it was a royal us, like yeah. a royal we mm-hmm. of... Steve just bullied everyone. People who weren't as popular as Steve. Yeah, but, like, I think that she actively does know him because she knows how to talk to him. Yeah. He says that he's a chick magnet and girls will come in just to see him because they sold so much ice cream. And at this point, this is a lie because we saw how much not good How much of a flop he was. Steve struck out consistently. She's like, they're hot ladies and I would know. And at first- She is way too gay about this. Well, it's weird because at first I thought since she was being so clear about it, that maybe like he knew that she would know, like she had come out to Keith, but then later he's like, oh, do you have a crush on him? And I'm like, oh, never mind. I thought they were closer friends than they are. I think just like in that time, the concept of being a lesbian was like, just didn't cross people's minds yeah. unless it was for like a demonizing you reason. Mm-hmm. So it wouldn't occur to him that her talking that way was because she was also fruity. Yeah. So she's like, Steve can't handle them all on his own. He needs someone to take some of them off his hands. And she, he's like, why would you even want him here? Do you have a crush on him? Um, and then Steve runs into the cardboard cutout of the bikini girl. And I remember us talking about this earlier this season. This is the girl that Dustin said Susie was hotter than. From Phoebe Cates. Time. Yeah. And she's like, oh, we're just friends. Which is true. <laughs> the puppy's like, mom, I'm tired of this. Me too. <laughs> so nancy's helping jonathan move a mattress the house really is for sale uh and i'm just like if you're like straight up moving out you should probably sell your house first did it say sold on it i can't remember well jonathan says something about the new owners oh sure okay yes um lucas and max singing to make fun of dustin um like i said caleb was also on broadway dustin refuses to join in because it's only for Susie, and he gives them the finger and it's adorable I love that these kids are aging because they get to do shit like that now. Well, I really appreciate because, like, that's a reason why I really like the early episodes where it's just, like, and if everybody just hanging out and, like, chilling and I love that. That, like, even in a terrifying episode like this, we can have, like, a moment for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Will is donating his D&D stuff. He'll just use Mike's books when he comes back if he still wants to play. If Like, if Mike still wants to play. 
and Mike is like worried that he's going to join another party and he's like never. First of all, I'm in three parties. You can be in more than one party. Okay. But second of all, this is so charged in like just like a gay romantic way. I'm sorry. I have oh, to say it. Oh, for sure. And also like it kills me. He's like, what if you want to join another party? And I'm like, but you guys never played with him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like maybe if you played with him, I don't know. You have so much time. You have months to prepare a fantastic one shot for you guys to play. Exactly. You better have it. You better have it ready. You better have a Thanksgiving campaign that you guys can play like the whole day while your mom cooks. Like you better have it ready. Will the wives needs some stuff to do. And like have the girls play with you. Yeah. yeah. She's a zoomer. Elle's the mage. Hello. Like the girls have not gotten to play D&D. Yeah. And like this is like something that's like a big part of their friend group and they should be allowed to play. Right, but I also have to say, Will, listen, you can play other characters. One of the fun things about playing D&D in different campaigns is that you get to make up different characters. You don't always have to play Will the Wise. Sorry. I think he's... Well, remember, D&D has only really come into the, like, colloquial mainstream in, like, the last ten years or so in terms of popularity. So before then, it probably wouldn't even occur to him that he could play more than one. Do you think... I don't know. I, I feel like they've been so. talking about it since, like, back... I can't stop thinking about Judy Dench, because she plays Dungeons & Dragons. Yeah. Nice. All the best people do. So, then we go back to Jonathan and Nancy. Everything's all packed. The room is empty. And Jonathan's like, ugh, 17 years of my life packed in one day. I'm like, bro, you look 25. You look 30. <laughs> he does look 30. I, I'm 30, and I can say that. Yeah. So, she hugs him from behind, and I'm like, sure, whatever. Uh, Nancy doesn't want him to go. And, yeah, like you said, Sammy says the new owners would kick them out. She's like, well, you want to live in our basement? like 11 did and he's like yeah ted would love that and i'm like ted doesn't give a crap ted doesn't know what's going on in his own house and so she cries they like look at their scars on their hands again and a wise man once said that we had shared trauma and i'm like you're calling murray a wise man i'm like was he wise (laughs) also shared traumas shared trauma bonding is actually really dangerous yeah yeah i mean whatever if you want that to be the basis of your romance that's fine it's it's i'm just gonna judge you for it if you're into this ship then it's a nice scene. Yeah. But none of us are. So we didn't like it. It's like if you ship Varchi on Riverdale, I'm like, that's fine. I hate it. But like, I respect you for it. Mm-hmm. But I'm gonna dunk on it because I don't care for it. If it's it, my podcast. If it brings you joy, then that's awesome. I genuinely feel that way. Yeah. Like, if it brings you joy, I'm so happy for you, and I'm sorry that we don't like it. Yeah. I'm sorry that it actively brings me uncomfortableness. <laughs> 100%. Like, I do feel bad. But I also have learned not to hide my own opinion mm-hmm. for the comfort of other people. Yeah. Yes. When it comes to fictional ships. <laughs> so uh, we see Eleven packing her stuff, and I guess she got some of it out of the messed up cabin. Um, well, they clearly, I feel like they went and, like, mm-hmm. got everything from the cabin, because Joyce is packing up Hopper's clothes. Yeah, but also, um, then we see, like, in part of the montage, we see, like, it's, like, all of their board games are still there. Like, there's still a lot that's that's there, which is weird. Y'all, but, like, the way this reads, like, a widow packing up her, like, husband's stuff. I think, I think it's point. interesting that, like, like you said, they, they leave a lot of stuff there. Like, yeah. they leave the board games. But Kay. they got all of, like... Eleven's enough of eleven stuff that like she would feel comfortable living yeah. with Joyce and stuff for and three months. I'm yeah. sure that Joyce probably also bought her lots of new things. Yeah. If like depending on what she can afford and stuff. Yes. She and goes back then, to Melvods and she's like, "Can I have another advance?" <laughs> I wonder if Hopper had life insurance. I was just oh, gonna say, I, I bet the know. government has to pay them out. Oh, probably also right. that. I yes. was like, I don't know if Hop would have life insurance, but you're right. I mean, probably he. Not. 
had a kid who died, he might have like he a probably That's has, like, true. A that's true. I just think that he just doesn't. I mean, now that he has 11, maybe he does, but I, like, definitely in season one, that guy just doesn't care enough about himself to have life insurance, you know what I mean? In season one, he was ready to just die. Yeah, that's fair. I just, I think it's interesting that they got enough, like, what they brought out of the house. Like, Mm -hmm. I know it's important narratively for her to find the letter in Hopper's shirt, but I think it's interesting that that's something she not only got out of his house, like, when they were, like, getting Eleven stuff and everything, but enough that she kept it even even in packing up her own home. Mm-hmm. And uh, and he never washed it. He never washed yeah. it, and she never washed it. Yeah. Well, I understand why she would never wash it. Yeah. Like, it probably smells like him. Yeah. Wow, that's sad. <laughs> Which, like we said, isn't always great. <laughs> <laughs> smells like alcohol and anger. Yeah. So, there's a teddy bear on the top shelf, but her powers still aren't working three months later. Mike believes that they'll come back, and he, like, gets the bear for her. Um, she has a walkie. They're gonna call each other all the time. Mike is gonna visit for Thanksgiving, and Eleven and Will can come home for Christmas whenever Joyce is okay with it, which I appreciate him having respect for adults. I- <laughs> That's, you know, rare for him. Yeah. And... It looks like someone had to die for him to figure that out. (laughs) Yeah. I also, though, think that it's a little bit insane that he thinks that it would be okay with Joyce to just, like, not spend Christmas Day with her children. Like, maybe if Joyce also came and hung out with everybody. Right. Yeah. And I think that would be really wholesome, because, like, I think it would be important for Joyce to, like, be around lots of people on, like, big holidays and stuff like that after having lost so many people. Mm -hmm. So he's like, Christmas Day would be fun, and he gets, like, really excited about his present. He's like, oh my god, sorry, that was so lame. And I'm like... Like, I think Eleven herself is like, it's not lame to like presents. It's not, I like, it's not like, lame I also to be like excited about stuff. Yeah. Like, I think that for some reason, Mike got like so hung up on being cool yeah. for her that she was like, hey, can we like, just, can you just like relax for a minute? Uh, we are still kids and that's mm-hmm. okay. You don't yeah. have to be like. It feels realistic for me though. Yeah. Yeah. Also, like, bad news, you're not cool. Yeah. <laughs> It didn't work. Yeah. So she walks away, but then she turns back, and she's like, remember when you were talking about your feelings? And he was like, oh, that was, like, forever ago. I don't even remember. I I totally, like, don't even have feelings. What are you talking about? So she says, I love you, too, and she kisses him, and she's happy she did it. And I'm like, you know what? I'm proud of you. Like, you had to do it before you left. It really Mm -hmm. seemed like something that you were were trying to do. So I'm, I'm proud of you. Yeah. Joyce going through Hop's clothes. She finds the note that he took about, like, the notes that he took about the heart to heart. She tells Eleven about the speech, and then she learns that he never talked to her, and so she asks to read it. It's like, he did talk to her, but he did not take these notes into account, and nothing, hardly anything that he wrote in here came back to talk, like, in that talk. Do you think that this is the note, like, because he's, right, in the montage, we see him writing it at home. Yeah. But do you think that the implication is that Joyce basically, like, had read it before? Because it Mm. seems like when she opens it, she... Does she just not, does she read really quickly and know that that's what it is? Or does she, like, get the gist of it from right from the beginning and then, like, just gives it to Eleven because it's more important to Eleven? I think that she helped him with, like, the first half or whatever that he was going to do. And so she recognizes, like, her own words in Mm -hmm. what, and so she knows what it is pretty much immediately. I don't know if she would have read past that because I think he like wrote it right before he like walked in that room to right. talk to them. So that's my that's my understanding is that she n- understands what it is based on like the first three sentences because she's the one who told him to use those words. Right. And then she just gives it to her because it's addressed to her. But the reason I brought it up was because like as you were saying talking um they when Joyce 
and Hopper were like going over this, they did like have a notepad and like, yeah. stuff that they mm-hmm. were like working on. So I wondered if like part of it was like the notes that he took with her. Mm-hmm. And he gets so sentimental in it that I'm just like, I don't believe that you would actually have ever said this in front of them. <laughs> right. <laughs> because also, and like, I, it's so important the way that he's like delivering it and it's like really beautiful. And I'm like, ugh. If Mike really was here, he would just ruin it. I believe... He really would. I believe that Hop would absolutely say that in front of Eleven. Yeah. He would never say it in front of Mike. Right, exactly. But he he means to. He's just like, I care about both of you very much. Mm -hmm. Um, It's important for us to set boundaries so that everyone is is comfortable. And then he goes and rewrites it. He says that he forgot what feelings were. And while he's talking, we see everyone hugging and leaving. And Will is sobbing. Mm-hmm. I love He's him, such Your Honor. a good actor. Yeah, I just like, I, and it's so realistic to the character, and, like, Will means a lot to me, and so, like, to see him sob, I'm just like, that is, that makes so much sense for me. Yeah. It makes so much sense, that he would be, like, the one who's, like, the most emotional, and that he's not even, like, worried about being a Mike and being, like, cool about it, and it's just like, what, I'm not even sad or whatever. Like, he's fully just, like, outwardly sobbing. No, he's the perfect kid. He's mm-hmm. such a good kid. So Hopper says that he felt so alone, but then you came into my life, and I started to feel again. I started to feel happy again. But lately, we felt distant. So we see them driving away in their U-Haul and their two cars, um, which is Joyce's car and, jo- and Jonathan's car. He says that he felt like she was pulling away. We, I just want to keep playing board games at night and eating Eggos. And then we see, like, in montage, we see their broken home and, like, all the dust over top of all of these board games that he's talking about. They used to watch westerns together at night. And then we also see, like, as they drive away, we see the kids go, like, just on their bikes again. And they look way too small for them now. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, guys, you need new bikes. Yeah. He says that he's scared to see her grow and change. And this reminded me because his daughter never got to grow up. Like, Sarah never got to grow up. And so now that he's, like, finally... It just sucks because I don't know how long this time jump is going to be or how long it's going to take for them to be back together. I'm like, he better not freaking miss it again. Yeah. I don't want him to miss it again. Like, it can't be more than a year, right? What makes you say that? Why? I don't know. I don't want it to be. (laughs) Oh, because I don't want want it to be. It's like, um, because I think people were talking about Nancy's hair in the trailer and how it was, like, reminiscent of a very specific era, but I don't remember when that was. I, like, hope it's not, like, early 90s. My mom had that hair. It can't be 90s. The kids aren't old enough. Yeah, that's true. My mom had that hair, like, the entire time she was in high school, and that was, like, through, like, 80... Seven through, like, 91. Mm-hmm. Or even, like, before that. I don't know how old my mom is. Yeah. <laughs> That's hilarious. So we see Will and Jonathan in Jonathan's car together. Uh, Mike get, gets home and hugs his mom. You love to see it. Yeah. And Especially I know Karen. Mike, because, like, Mike doesn't, like, show emotions like mm-hmm. that to her. And I know Karen was waiting for that. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Karen is a good mom. Mm-hmm. Yes, she is. So he says that, like, with this speech, I wanted to stop you from changing and, like, go back to how they were, but that's not right and that's not how it works. Like, sometimes it hur- hurts and it's sad. Um, you know, you make mistakes and you learn. We always wanted Joyce to be, like, Eleven's mom, but not like this. Yeah, this is not what I meant. <laughs> this show is always like, hey, we give you what you wanted, and you're like, but I'm crying. Yeah. <laughs> We see Max, like I said, sitting alone in, like, Billy's empty room. And Dustin brings Erica Will's D&D stuff because she's a nerd and they just want her to, like, have just joy. Just embrace and, like, her nerdiness. Yeah. D&D is so fun and the, like, stories that can bring in, like, the togetherness and the, the teamwork and everything is, like, truly transformative and, like, meaningful. And she deserves it. She's a nerd. Hello, you'll love it. It's the next generation's turn. Mm -hmm. So he says in his speech, when you get hurt, remember that it means you're feeling something. And then also, please keep the door open for my sake. And 
And then we have Heroes by Peter Gabriel playing, which, uh, is, which is the same song that played at the end of 103, Holly Jolly. Mm-hmm. When we thought that Will was dead. Yeah. For the Ouch. first time. It hurts. On IMDb, it said, the song playing as the Byerses leave Hawkins is a Peter Gabriel cover of Heroes by David Bowie. Mm-hmm. This is the same song that was playing when Will's body was discovered in the quarry in season one, and it is suggestive that a character that everyone thinks is dead is actually alive and in danger, in this case, Hopper. This is reinforced by the fact that this is only one of three songs to be reused so far in the show's run. The others are Should I Stay or Should I Go by The Clash, and You Don't Mess Around with Jim. Um, oh, right. Joyce asks if Eleven is okay. She says yes, and that it's time to go. She folds up the letter. She keeps it in her pocket, and I'm like, oh yeah, if that was me, I would never let that thing go. Oh, for sure. Yeah, that would be mine forever. Joyce turns and looks back at her house, and I'm like, you know what, Joyce? This is a new beginning. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she deserves this. Everything's gonna be okay. Um, It's really interesting the way that they edited the timeline here, because during the speech, we see them driving off, and then after the speech, we go back to... The minute that they drive off. Yeah, which is kind of interesting, I thought. You know what, Eleven? I know you don't have your powers, but, like, do it for him. Do it for, for Hopper. Everything's gonna be okay. It'll be great. I I believe in both of them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Credit scene. We are in Kamchatka, Russia. On IMDb, it said, Kamchatka, if I'm butchering that, I probably am, sorry. <laughs> it's one of the territories in the board game Risk, which saw a resurgence of popularity in the 80s, the same time that Stranger Things is set. Cool. It is super snowy, snowy, super white. They're in prison and they go to open a door and they say, no, not the American. So they go and open another door. It's just some guy. They take him out and pull him away. He's like screaming, no, please. They take him down the stairs. The camera shifts upside down as we do that. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, they throw him in a cage. The cage is like wet and red. And he says that he's innocent. They open a the door and a demogorgon comes out and attacks him. So what are they doing this for? Some sort of science? Like, what is this? Are they just feeding their pet Demogorgon? I, I think it's that one. Then why can't they do it with, like, animals and stuff? Why are they doing it? Like, is this... I think, like, it's, how I think this their... is an execution method for mm. prisoners. I, also... I think the prisoners work to open the gate and keep the gate open, and if they step out of line, they're executed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that this is all part of, like, the Cold War, like, stuff. Mm-hmm. And that, like, maybe it's not even for science, which only occurred to me like just now yeah and that, just because like the that, all of the gate stuff was for science you know? well the the gate stuff was for science for the cold war that's true so the all of the gate stuff on both sides is so that they can one-up the russians or the americans in the cold war and mm-hmm. like have a more powerful weapon for winning the war right or whatever and like so at this point i have decided or it has just occurred to me that this may not even be a facility where they like even open the upside down here. Mm. They could just be using Demogorgons as a method of execution. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And I might like, have a whole fleet or, of them. And like, or be like training Demogorgons as like super soldiers. Right. <gasps> that would make perfect sense. Because I remember in that like time when we saw Hopper in that teaser trailer, he was like, working right so yeah he, it looks like a prison camp yeah how much of this is actually going to go into season four and how much was just for a cliffhanger that's an excellent question i suspect they probably changed a lot of it yeah i really yeah it's like mostly like okay and this is what we're going to do because we have like a vague idea of what we want to do in season four and then when they actually get down to writing season four then it's like okay that might be slightly different but. yeah I feel like they also probably had to change a lot of stuff because of COVID. I yeah, agree. I agree. So that's the episode. That is that is Stranger Things so far. Well, we did it, Joe. Yeah. Wow. So now it's time for segments. My first segment is Good Guy Steve Alert. 
and I got a couple for you here. So, good guy Steve alerts. Steve hears that everyone is in trouble and jeopardizes his own safety to go and save them. Good guy Steve alert. He puts himself in an actual car crash and saves everyone. It's true, he does. Incredible. Is that all of them? Mm-hmm. And my segment is how garbagey was Jonathan this episode. Again, not that garbagey. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of the time he's not garbagey. He mostly just pisses me off in season one, but uh, it's a vendetta at this point. <laughs> and my uh, my segment is, did Jopper acknowledge their obvious history? Yes! <laughs> like, yeah. the whole episode. Mm-hmm. And then we're gonna go on a date! The most explicit so far. <sighs> they were gonna go on a date, and then they, they don't get to. Because Joyce thinks that she killed him. I can't. She's going to live with that and that sucks. No, that's not going to be good for her. Well, I think that because that, do you guys remember that after like the end of this season, you could call that phone number Yeah. and it was like Murray's yeah. phone number and like, like, if this is Joyce, like, yes, something. I think that like, I don't know how early on, but like, she's. She's gonna have some clue that Hopper is alive. Oh my god, what oh, if I she so. what if she goes conspiracy theory about it? Yeah, like that's a coping mechanism. That's abs- like that's what I think that's the the hint with with Murray and that phone mm-hmm. call like thing was supposed to be. I would love All right, that. Fair enough. So I I also am hinging way too much knowledge on or way too much hope on the Duffer brothers saying that Return of the Jedi was partial inspo for this season mm-hmm. because at the beginning who is it at the beginning of someone who loves you exactly at the beginning of Return of the Jedi Leia has to save Han who has been like frozen in carbonite and like being held hostage by Jabba the Hutt and Leia like comes in in a disguise and is like a, you a think it's hunter. Luke and you think it's Luke the whole time and like she pulls off the helmet like as she's like rescuing Han and he can't see and he asks who it is and she says someone who loves you and it's like one of the most romantic it's, moments it's, in like it's such sci-fi a Robin, I wish you would love it because it's like literally he's scared shitless he's just been like unfrozen from like this like horrible nightmare scenario and he literally can't see like he's blind and he's like almost crying and he was like who is it and like leia's soft carrie's soft little voice going someone who loves you and it's so romantic (laughs) anyway i hope they do that like that's i have a feeling that hopper's somehow gonna like break himself out of the prison itself but i'm hoping for a reunion with that flavor you know what i mean yeah I feel like, you know, we know that this is a slow burn, but I'm like, this is the time, though. Like, oh, it's yeah, been it's long time. enough that yeah, it's for sure. like, we're, we've made our way down. We made our way downtown, and now's the time. We've paid our dues. It's crunch time. Yeah. Like, there's there's a slow burn where you, like, draw it out too far, and then, yeah. like, then you have problems. Like, you can say SVU. SVU, The X-Files. Oh, God, they like, pulled that out way too long. Like, you have to hit your sweet spot and know that established relationships are also full of delicious juicy drama mm-hmm. that, that and then like in dealing with external conflict mm-hmm. so like get them together and just you know make everyone happy yeah exactly. now it's time for our best line award my best line award goes to lucas for play this you ugly piece of shit <laughs> Incredible. That's Thank a, you, sir. That's a great line. Yeah. Mine goes to Murray and Erica for... I'm sorry. Why is this four-year-old speaking to me? Um, I'm Tim, you bald bastard. Uh, Erica! Nothing but respect for my girl. <laughs> <laughs> and mine goes to Robin and Steve for... You put your mom down as a reference? Yeah. Why not? She's, like, super well-respected. He can't think of anyone else. Like, he, he knows, like, four people. Yeah. And two of them are his mom and Dustin. Yeah. Yeah, one of them is an actual <laughs> child. 
So real quick before we do our outro, we want to talk about the new trailer that we got. We assume that we're going to be getting another trailer that's like pretty significant yeah. um, before now. So uh, the next time you see us on this feed will probably be for that. And we are looking forward to that. But until then, we're going to talk about this tiny little trailer that we recently got. This We see this house. I thought it was the new house that Joyce had moved into at first. But it's like several years before. I think it's like the 50s or something. From what I can tell, yeah, like the, the, the look. The music and the aesthetic is like somewhere in, in mm-hmm. the like 40s, 50s. We, we had a whole conversation about this on our Discord server when it came out. And one of the people on our Discord server had mentioned that Creel, which is, is like the Creel house. Creel is the last name of one of the new characters. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're definitely going to be diving into the creels. We get the lights flickering because it's the Why upside not? down. So like basically we're learning that the upside down has been like a thing for like a very long time. Mm-hmm. We see, or, or like I think the, the daughter finds like a dead rabbit in the yard. Um, we have like fl- uh, flickering screens of like the father turns around and both of the kids are on the ground. Then we flash to the future and it's abandoned. Rock through the window. Steve opens the door. I'm like, Before he even spoke, I was like, I know that jacket. (laughs) I know who's talking. So then we have, like, a bunch of our friends are here. Where did Joyce and Co. move to then? Like, like, and how are these people coming back together? Because we're seeing people who moved away. Are we? Aren't we? Yes. Yeah. In, I think. No, No, Will is in the... Isn't he? Is he there? Because it's Will, Jonathan, and Eleven... Yeah, you gotta go look. Because I'm like, wait, maybe it's everybody who didn't move away. And they're, like, looking for stuff to do? Yeah, maybe. I know Dustin is there, for sure. Either way, we continue- Will's not there. Yeah, he's not there. I don't think any of them are there. Yeah, like, we see Eleven in the, like, other teaser trailer. Yeah. But- They're not in the Creel house. They're not at the Creel house, no. Okay, interesting. So where are Joyce and Co.? Don't know. Um, how many years forward did we go? Also don't know. Um, we have a Ghostbusters pin, of course, because season two. Uh, Dustin quotes Sherlock and it's great. Uh, Nancy's hair. Lucas's hair? Lucas's hair yeah. is incredible. Amazing. Then we see the creepy clock and it goes like upside down and everything and it breaks. And so I'm like, a new gate question mark? Possibly. Or the original gate. Yeah, that's ooh, true. I'm just like, ooh. what's with this new like time thing? We've got like the 50s. We're doing a flashback and stuff. I'm like, what are we doing with time? <gasps> If it's time travel, I know it's not going to be time travel, but I would love if it was. It would be cool, though. Back to the Future vibes. Mm -hmm. Come on now. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. When we first got this trailer, the, like, opening bit with the, like, the Creels and, like, the house and stuff Mm -hmm. and, like, going back to the 50s immediately gave me uh, American Horror Story Murder House vibes. Um, Just, like, with the, like, overly cheery music and, like, hiding sinister undertones in this house. That's the vibe it gave me. Okay. Yeah, I'm just, like, I'm honestly just really excited to get more answers. I hope Mm -hmm. that we do get a longer trailer. I know this one was, like, longer than we've gotten ever before, but it was still titled a teaser trailer. And so I'm like, where's the real one? I mean, it was definitely a teaser trailer. Yeah, it wasn't long enough. Two scenes in it. Yeah. It's just like I'm u- I'm so used to like some trailers that are like nothing that oh, I'm you like mean the Hawkeye trailer? N- uh, I don't know. <laughs> I'm just like if if it's over a minute long, then I'm like this feels like a full trailer cuz I I just like I never I never get to feast on a real trailer, I guess. <laughs> well, they've kind of they've gotten to the point where they like cut them down. Yeah in current history and I'm just like get creative again yeah. people right alright thank you so much for listening to this episode and uh, all of our previous episodes on Stranger Things 
Our music is Terminal by Good News Tunes. Um, and thank you to our lovely roommate, Emily, for uh, hanging out in her room while we recorded this. Uh, we recorded this a little bit later than we usually do, so instead of her, like, working through it, she actually just sat in her room and watched Star Trek, and we appreciate her. She's watching Deep Space Mind, so I think she's happy. She's mm-hmm. an icon. Yeah. Oh, if you're so inclined, please leave us a review on iTunes um, or wherever you're listening to this. We like those. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're a fan of The 100, we like to talk about that show, too. We did seasons four to seven as they were airing, and now we're going back to do the good old days. We are currently doing uh, season three, and then we're going to be going backwards so that we can end with season one. Um, so check that out. If you're a fan of Riverdale, we like to talk about that show, too. We have covered every insane episode mm-hmm. of it. What is wrong with us? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Season five just ended and it was something. It existed. It, for sure. It was a series of episodes that aired on television. But I had so much fun talking to you guys about it. <laughs> and that's what matters. Yeah. You don't even have to watch the show to listen to us talk about it. We summarize it and then dunk on it. Honestly, have, I think it might be better if you don't watch it. Honestly, yeah. it's probably funnier. Mm-hmm. If you're a fan of Lost, we like to talk about that show too. That is a show that you do actually have to watch. Um, yeah, it, that one's uh, viewing. <laughs> it is our longest podcast, our most big brain podcast. We have guests over there, and um, it's one of the best television shows of all time. So it's definitely something that you should watch. It is spoiler free, so if you want to watch with us for the first time, you can. And I would love that. Uh, you can follow the Aficionados on Twitter, Facebook, Tumblr, Instagram, Redbubble, YouTube, but mostly Twitter. And Robin makes gifts of our favorite line of words on Tumblr. And you should go reblog them because they're good. Thanks. And also Tumblr's funny again. So. Yeah. <laughs> our Patreon is patreon.com slash theafficionados. If you like what we do here, please consider donating because ugh, it is expensive. And I gave you all of the super cool tiers uh, earlier in the episode. So um, we'd really appreciate it if you check that out. If you can't do that, check out choppylux.com. If you can't do that, recommend us to a friend. Uh, you can recommend this podcast or any of the other podcasts. Podcasts, um, even if that recommendation is to yourself because you only listen to this one, check out some of our other ones. We'd really appreciate that. You can follow me on Twitter at Britannia, which is B-R-I-T-T-A-N-I-A with an underscore at the end. You can follow me on Twitter at Sam Casey's, which is S-A-M-C-A-S-U-I-S. And you can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey. That's R-O-B-Y-N-E-J-F-F-R-E-Y. Pretty much everywhere. Uh, the next time that you see us on this feed should be for a longer season four trailer. In the meantime, please check out uh, our other podcasts. And if you want to stay updated on when we will be posting more Stranger Things, follow us on Twitter. That's your best place to follow us. Mm-hmm. Thanks. We really appreciate you guys. Uh, it has been a very long couple of years to talk about uh, Stranger Things. A uh, whole pandemic happened, but um, you guys stuck with us and we really appreciate it. So, yeah. Good job. Sending you good vibes for season four. <laughs> <laughs> okay, love you. Bye. Bye. Okay, love you, bye.